Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Do you want to cleanse after eating too much Halloween candy? Do you want to have energy to deal with your relatives and all the travel? Eat nutrient-dense food that's quick and easy with Factor Meals. That's what I do. Sometimes I'm just too busy to cook on my busy schedule, and I want to make sure I'm eating well. And with Factor, I don't have to run to the grocery store. I don't have to chop, prep, and clean up either. And I get flavor and nutritional quality that I look for to give me the energy to keep doing what I do. It is cold and flu season, and I found over time that when I've been eating well, I recover quicker from uh, cold and flu symptoms. And during this time of year, you want to be able to get out and do things without feeling like you're going to be sick for two weeks afterwards. The clean eating and nutrient density in Factor Meals makes me more confident that I'm going to fight back against all the germs that are out there circulating during this time of year. Factor provides over 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that does support a healthy lifestyle and will meet your meal preferences with their variety, all delivered right to your door and ready to pull out of the refrigerator and heat up and eat in two minutes. You don't have to wait 45 minutes for delivery, worry if the food's going to be cold, worry about how much to tip, and mess around with the delivery app. Every week you get a box of meals and they're in your fridge ready to go. They also have an assortment of 45 plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice, too. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions and source 100% renewable electricity at their production and site offices. So, this November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com wade50 and use code wade50 to get 50% off. That's code wade50 at factormeals.com slash wade50 to get 50% off. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Lodcast. This is Lodcast. 
again, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the 90s Passcast. I'm your host this week, Patrick Bornahan, as always, joined by my co-host, Alex McDonald. Alex, how are you this evening? Good. Happy to be back on our normal schedule. Yeah, we are back, and it's post-Halloween, so we're not only through Halloween, but we're through Halloween Havoc 93, which this issue 250 of the PW Torch for October 30th, 1993, will cover. Uh, we're going to get into it, but uh, without any spoilers, what did you think of the pay-per-view? It is significantly better than Halloween Havoc 1992, so... The one spoiler I will give is Havoc 92 is still the worst show we've covered on our show. <laughs> yeah, that's that reigns supreme. And I think that's going to we each talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but I think that's going to hang in there for a little bit longer. Is the best show we've covered Rumble 92? Yeah, I think it has to be. Um, you know me, I'm a fan of WrestleMania 8, but I think Rumble 92 edges it out because I'll go back and watch that match more than eight. The other yeah. one, if if you recall, and I know you were a big fan of this one, but Beach Blast 92, I think, was also up there. I'm not saying it was close to Rumble 92, but I remember that being in the running. Yeah, I named that pay-per-view of the year last year just because I liked it so much. Um, I would I would put that above Mania 8, though. Like really? the shows okay. we've covered, I'd yeah. say that and Rumble 92 and then probably Mania 8 and then everything else is kind of a smorgasbord and then at the <laughs> bottom of the list is Starcade 91 followed by yeah. Havoc 92 yes like those yes. are clearly the worst ones they, they're really bad and it's a shame literally our first episode ever covered Starcade 91 go back in the archives and check it out we're getting our feet wet there but yeah it's 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 good times uh, the interesting connection though between your Interest and love for Beach Blast 92 and this Halloween Havoc 93 is a big main event type match from Cactus Jack. So we're going to get a little bit more of Cactus Jack in that uh, top tier program. And actually, this time he closes the show. So he's moving up the ranks a little bit. And actually, did you know this is a little plug for his podcast, but a recent episode launched uh, in the last few days with him talking about this show. Not sure oh, if you he heard actually that did yet. a an actual episode and not a recap for three straight weeks of the seven episodes they had. <laughs> no, the one I heard was about Halloween Havoc 93. Oh, then I'll listen again. So yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's good. It's good. Uh, so let's talk about this um, cover story. Again, we're, we're talking about issue 250, and uh, just for context too, uh, for you and me, we might be talking about issue 250, but Alex, you and I are talking about the 94th episode of our PW Torch 90s Passcast. So we're at 94. Coming up on 100. Yeah, they were. We're almost there. Um, the cover story for issue 250, Vader beats Cactus Jack in Havoc's main events. Only one match ends with a clean finish. You'll hear more about that as the night goes on. But wrestling quality almost makes up for it, according to Wade. Some of the highlights of the issue include the WWF Newswire, Hulk Hogan didn't know about Randy Savage's intent to go on air with his shoot comments. If you recall, we talked about that last week with Savage on WBF's own radio station, putting down Hogan, smashing him in for the steroid thing, the lies, uh, of course, his involvement with Savage's own marriage, things like that. 
Uh, in the Torch triple play, Sabu yet again getting featured here. Does he work for the Torch at this point in time? Is that possible? Uh, Sabu goes an extra mile and comes out on the short end. That'll be covered. There's a below the bottom line all about Havoc and Dusty Rhodes' booking. Uh, not only booking, but Wade says the nightmare that was Sunday night. There's also a letters to the editor, really a reader response to the Havoc pay-per-view as well. So we're going to talk about pretty much all of that stuff. But before we do, again, we're talking October 30th, 1993. Alex, anything of note to mention that's happened uh, 30 years ago around this week? Uh, we do have a new number one movie. It will not rain for long. But the Beverly Hillbillies at number one with 7.1 million. Number one song remains the same. Mariah Carey really holding down the fort there. And as far as our sports minute from Scott Pastner. So the NFL unanimously approves a franchise to Jerry Richardson's group out of Charlotte while delaying announcing the second team. NFL commissioner Paul Tagliabue declared the owners could not find a consensus for the second team, while the Carolina Panthers will debut in 1995, they will go on to be the worst team in the NFL. Just kidding. both in 95 and 2023, or yeah, there you go. No, yeah, they're good in 95, but uh, I just I hate them so much I can't give them any credit. Now they've accomplished. You hate them too, coming from a Bucks fan. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. And rightfully so. I get it. I get it. The hilarious part about you saying that is they actually start in the NFC West out of North Carolina. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess the NFL wasn't quite ready for expansion. They didn't figure everything out by then. No, you have them playing the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams twice a year. Like, this. yeah, right. <laughs> Do you remember? I know, you know, I, I didn't expect to talk about Carolina Panthers uh, history, but who was their starting quarterback in the early years? He was like a ta- highly touted quarterback at the time. Well, <clears throat> their first quarterback is Kerry Collins. That's who I'm thinking. Yeah. Who who later on, I he played for, I remember him more with Oakland than I do Carolina. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Carolina then ended up with weird guys like Chris Winkie, who was actually a Heisman Trophy winner at Florida State, and then Rodney Pete, and eventually they found uh, Jake DeLome. Man, you're rattling off some names there. Yeah. I, I remember Collins more as a giant later on. Yeah, that too. too that's so. that's what I mean. Yeah, he's... Yeah. He took the Giants to the Super Bowl and they, when they lost to uh, Baltimore in 2000. Right. So right. he wasn't in Carolina very long at all. I just remember Kerry Collins. I guess, you know, he was a highly touted prospect and uh, kids, kids on the bus just had jerseys of him. So I don't I don't know. That's just one random memory I have of him. That's funny that your whole yeah. bus is wearing Kerry Collins. <laughs> I guess. Oh, yeah. I don't know what school I was going to. Uh, we also have the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mike Piazza wins the 1993 Rookie of the Year Award. Greg McMichael and Jeff Conine finish second and third. In the American League, California Angels, Tim Salmon wins over Jason Berry and Austin Selly. Sell? 
Seal? I think Seely, Aaron Seely. Seely, Aaron Seely. Who will become the most successful of these rookies in the years to come? The Montreal Canadiens defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-2 to end the incredible 10-0-0 start by the Maple Leafs. This record-setting start eclipsed the NHL record of 8-0-0 by, also, the Maple Leafs during the 1934 and 1935 season. Uh, For any Maple Leafs fans watching or listening to us, please remember that this is basically the last time you were relevant because you haven't done anything in the last 20-something years. (laughs) Do you think that was covered on the... Canadian version of the past cast where they talked about uh, in the 90s, they talked about the 30, 34, 35 Canadian team. The Maple Leafs. I'm sure they know more about it than we do. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. (laughs) Don Shula ties George Hallis with 324 wins as the Dolphins beat the Chiefs 30 to 10. He looks to break the record next week at the Meadowlands versus the Jets. Um, I would like to point out he still holds that record to this day, just so everybody knows. Um, Phil Jackson, coach of the Chicago Bulls in 1993, states that journeyman Peter Myers looks to be the player that replaces Michael Jordan in the Bulls starting lineup. Myers has already played for the Spurs, Knicks, Sixers, and spent the last two seasons in Italy. So, Phil Jackson, good luck with that. Well, thanks as always, Scott. Uh, we, we do not have trivia today because, as mentioned, as always, we are talking pay-per-view. But we did hear from our good old friend, Dennis Klein. He wanted to get us three things from the most recent episode. He says, first, well done, Patrick, uh, on your trivia run last week. And, yes, he capitalized well done, as in the tag team name, which I appreciate. Second, Dennis says, I didn't know the name of the WCW main event show, so to me that wasn't a softball. Also, that show did air matches live from the arena in the pre-show, so thanks for confirming that. Yes, thank you, Dennis. I didn't mean to uh, allude to it was a softball. I just felt I didn't want to um, take advantage in any way of uh, you know running the table there, so I appreciate you con- confirming that. And third, Dennis says, there was no disrespect meant to you, Alex. He also stands by his statement. Someone tells me the last time Alex missed three questions in trivia because it does not happen often. Alex typically typically gets four questions or more right. So, again, there was no disrespect meant with that comment. He says he's excited to hear the pay-per-view episode while he cultivates Alex questions. Thank you so much, Dennis. Any reaction to that last one, uh, Alex? Yeah, I didn't take it is a diss i just took it as like i like i said last week i feel like i've set the bar too high for myself if i have an <laughs> off week i got everybody jumping on me yeah oh yeah clearly yeah absolutely but just as a reminder i can revel in my tie one more week because we are both at 53 even uh so we ideally will pick that back up you will likely go beyond that next week because obviously you have a fresh crack at it so we'll see how it goes well, seeing how it goes this might be the right transition here because Wade did not have a good night watching Halloween Havoc. Um, well, I'll say good and bad because 
there really is a lot of good in this show and the cover story clearly talks about the show we will not go into detail at this point in the show you know you know us we like to kind of anchor the episodes with the pay-per-view review um some of the call-outs though in this cover store story noting you know again wade uh, he says that pretty much everyone agrees the wrestling part of the show was good and the booking and finishes were absolutely awful so there's a theme we're going to be talking about all night on this one and with context in mind seven of the eight matches ended without clean finishes and actually alex if you remember the only clean finish was the opener so right from the get-go you get a nice clean finish and that's it good luck basically the rest of the night yeah Um, yeah the opener is like anybody who listened to our last wcw pay-per-view review or that yeah it was a pay-per-view it wasn't a clash everybody that we cracked on is on the same team in the <laughs> right yes yes although big sky is nowhere to be seen thankfully that's the one other positive of this pay-per-view he's not on this show that's true daily cast listeners Thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. Uh, so we're going to quickly move on to some WWF news. Obviously, we'll get back to Havoc. Uh, a Hulk Hogan update here. In the past week, Wade says there was no official indications confirming Randy Savage's shoot comments on Hulk Hogan last week on Radio WWF and Monday Night Raw. It's confirmed that Hogan is telling people he had nothing to do with Savage making the comments he did and did not approve of them. It appears Hogan, at least for now, is not going to respond. Actually, kind of surprising, actually. Uh, sources say Hogan was invited on the radio program for a possible setup where Savage would have confronted him with these shoot comments on live radio. Real quick, I feel like, is that more of a setup for Savage or setup for Hogan? I, I assume it's, you know, this says for Savage, but uh, I don't know. That just seems like a terrible idea for, I assume, the WWF to, to have offered that to Hogan to come on. Um, if the idea behind it is what we talked about briefly last week, where it's the possible setup to get us to something at Mania 10, it makes sense. But if that's not the end game and you don't have anything in writing that could potentially lead to that, then yes, I agree with you. It's a terrible idea because all you're doing is giving Hogan an avenue to say whatever he wants and dress down savage who still works for you regardless of the fact that they don't use him for 
anything at this point. He still works for you, and Hogan basically doesn't. So you're giving a lot of leverage to a guy who you have zero control over because if Hogan has no intention of coming back, which at this point I think we could safely assume that's the case, then he has no reason not to burn the bridge on his way. Yeah, and what you just said is interesting because I'm not sure we necessarily touched upon it, but this almost is kind of like the final nail in the coffin for Hogan's potential return here, which kind of gets forgotten about in history. I mean, everyone knows, um, you know, King of the Ring 93 is his last match for about a decade or so in the company, but it doesn't mean he was officially, officially gone. And yet you're right. This this scenario, this this actually episode feels like it is the unofficial, the official unofficial uh, ending of him in, in WWF. Exactly. Like this was the last last gasp type deal. Yeah. Um, Wade continues. Hogan, who had done the radio show only a week earlier, turned down this invitation. He goes on. One scenario is that the WWF wants to bring Hogan back, but the way to do it is to make it imperative that he does return with a premeditated shoot angle that he could eventually enter into because of his big of the big payday. However, since Hogan's name was not mentioned all weekend on WWF TV, it's probably safe to say the WWF chose to bash Hogan for one week and will drop it from there. If there are further relations between Hogan and the WWF, this will be a big hurdle to pass before the Eagles involved could agree to work with each other. Uh, moving on to Survivor Series, nothing really new here, just confirmation of the four big matches that have been finalized. We have Lex Luger and the Steiners and Tatanka versus Yokozuna, the Quebecers and Ludwig Borga. Brett Owen Bruce and Keith Hart versus Jerry Lawler and his three Mystery Knights. Four Doinks versus Bam Bam Bigelow, Head Shrinkers, and Bastion Booger. And finally, Mr. Perfect and Razor Ramon versus, or excuse me, N123Kid and Janetti versus IRS Martell, Diesel, and Adam Bomb. So there, I think there's one more match that gets slid in there as far as a tag team match, but those are your core Survivor Series matches. Um, well, these aren't new to us as we're following weekly, t- you know, weekly issues here, but... Uh, now that we see the entire card on paper, Alex, how does this uh, strike you? Did you notice that of all the names you ran down, there's one that sticks out above all the other ones in a negative way? Hmm. Well, Ludwig Borger was supposedly a Nazi, so that's pretty negative. Um, but what do you mean otherwise? <laughs> <laughs> I After I said what I said, I, I realized you were going to guess Marty Jannetty, and then <laughs> you swerved me with the Nazi. Yeah. So <clears throat> I guess take those two out. <laughs> I, I meant Bastion Booger. I think he sticks out as being like, what is going on? Yeah, good point. Um, we, we haven't talked a ton about him. We I remember bringing him up. I felt feels like it was, I don't know, the summer, summer months. But it was more like TV. This is his first pay-per-view showing. It's definitely random. It just feels like, like I said, he just feels like the name because like you brought up Borga and it's a good point because of what we found out he was as a person. But he's like integrated into the show. Sure. You know what I mean? 
and and he even had a spot at at SummerSlam, and he's had the little vignettes and stuff. Like again, he's integrated. As as much as I can't stand Marty Jannetty, it's the same thing. He's been on pay per view a couple times this year, and and he is integrated one way or the other. And yeah. Booger just isn't <laughs> like it's it's just it goes back to what we we keep talking about with this company where there's no heels that work here. So to fill out the heel team, they're like, okay, who else worked? <laughs> well, who else is gross enough to team with uh, Bam Bam and the Head Shrinkers? Because that's the theme they end up going with. And just that's what I mean. Those guys, yeah. And what's funny is like the logical person to put in that spot is Adam Bomb, but they have to move him to fill out a different match. Yeah, it's interesting. Booger putting Booger in the match make the Head Shrinkers act foolish in the match. Bam Bam's kind of the sane one. But you're right. If they just swapped Adam Bomb for Booker, it would have been like four badasses. Like they would have, yeah. the head shrinkers wouldn't have played played the fool. That's what hard. I mean. It makes yeah, significantly yeah. more sense. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, totally side note, but it is relative to this. One of my friends in my fantasy football league, for years, his team name has been Bastion's Big Booger. <laughs> and uh, he has since changed it. I'm just looking at my phone now. It's his, it's Bastion's big tight end. So he's tweaked it a little bit. But uh, his photo for a while was Bastion Booger. So this is all in, in, in the love for Bastion Booger. So he lives on. He does live on. He, he might be random in your heart, but he's not random in some others. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else on this? For now, I know we're not we're not just there for Survivor Series yet, so there's a little bit more time to uh, build here. Um, the only thing is, it's more of a question. Do you like this format with all the tag matches on it, or do you prefer... Was it last year or the year before, where there's a bunch of tag matches, but there's still the world title match or, or an intercontinental title? You know, pick whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they break them. They break the mold in ninety one and ninety two. Uh, every other year, including ninety three, is mostly tag title tag matches. I think it works through ninety the way they had it, and the year they broke the mold in ninety one with a mix. There was actually there there actually was. I think this is what you're asking me directly. There was mostly tag matches with that main event title match. Um, the year they broke that mold, though, I think they kind of had to get away from it. So to answer your question, I I like that they're getting I don't like that they're going back to this. Honestly, I think it's kind of getting to a point where they're beyond it. And I'd rather see more, whether it's singles, tags, whatever. I just don't think having a card full of Survivor Series matches makes a lot of sense at this point. Like, so now- if, I'll just say it another way. The one match that screams Survivor Series match is the Hearts versus Lawler and his team. Like, that's the match. Other than that, I don't think you can make a case for the main event with Luger and Yoko on opposite sides. But, I mean, you know, I think the others are clearly um, unnecessary. You brought up Luger and Yoko, and that's kind of where the part two of the question comes from. Yeah. If there is a title match on this show instead, do you run that back or do you just go with Taker and Yoko? I would personally prefer Taker and Yoko, but I can see them running it back. I think if they ran it back, they would 
they would book themselves against the wall because either you pull the trigger on Luger there or you're just done with him officially and he doesn't win. And I think that is the reason we got what we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think you do. You come out, you know, he he comes out looking good without obviously the title uh, in hand. So it makes sense. On the flip side, your question back to you, do you do you prefer this format or would you kind of agree with me where you have to slowly get out of the format? I I like things about the format, but I think you're right that come 91, 92, once you've broken from it, it's hard to go back. Um, so there's yeah. that. The other part of it, too, for this particular show, I don't think you can do it because I don't think you have the roster to do it, which I've said mm. a thousand yeah. times. And and that's more where I lean for this show. I personally really like like. I don't like some of the more recent shows where they don't have any of their Survivor Series matches at all. Like 98 comes to mind or 99, 2000, where they just like forgot it was a thing. Right, right. And then, but I want to see like two or three. Yeah. Like in today's day and age, I do like the one men's, one women's. Uh, A third one would be fine if it makes sense. You know, and they they have war games now, which is kind of taking the place of it, but. I, I like that, but I don't like the shoehorned in. Like, I always hated the Raw versus SmackDown thing. Like, Agreed. With no, you guys are no in stakes, red shirts. Basically. We're in yeah. blue shirts. It's stupid. So I agree with you 100%. Where everyone forgets about it the next night, like, it doesn't even matter. So. Um. Moving on, as we mentioned, I joked a little bit earlier, but Sabu, the hottest free agent. He's featured here in the WF News section. You might be wondering why. Well, he received tryouts three nights in a row for the company. The company liked him so much they asked him to stay for that third day. He actually turned down an offer due to his Japan and ECW commitments, but there is apparently an open door for him to work there in the future. So. We've talked a lot about Sabu. I feel like kind of out of nowhere four or so weeks ago, he just popped up and he's he's just riding that wave. So uh, I, I did know he got tryouts here. Um, I guess I wasn't aware. I just assumed they didn't want him at the time. But now the, the reports are saying otherwise here in the torch. Any reaction to this one? Did he make the right call in your opinion? How would he have how would he have worked here? Uh, well, there's your replacement for Bastion Booger right there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're right. I think that's a great option. Yeah, in all serious. It would work really well. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the U.S., Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. 
Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. Um, I don't know if you made the right call. It's it's hard to say. Maybe maybe for 1993, because odds are he's like chic light mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. iron chic light. Like that's just what this company did with people in that time period. I mean, look at the head shrinkers for God's sake. Like that's just what they did. Right. So it would stand a reason, but. <sighs> I don't know because it's hard to turn down the financial part of it. Like even if, even if he was a lower card guy and hung out for two and a half, three years, and I know the money wasn't what it is now, you would still have to imagine he probably would have done better financially than he did at his peak in ninety five, ninety six for ECW. Oh, I think so too. Um, you might have already answered my question in part of that response, but what what do you think they do with him? Do they leave him phys- uh, visually look the same, but again, play up that chic s character a little bit more? Is that where you think they go? Versus, you know, trying to do something totally out outside the box? No, he he would have looked the same because his actual look with the the pants and the boots and all that stuff fit what they would have wanted to do with him anyway. Um, however, as far as what what he does on television, he's another foreign menace alongside Yoko Borga. Yeah. And the one that's about to join that group soon. Like, he's another one of those guys. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's right. Um, I actually agree with that, but also I think they keep his name too. I don't know if they even touch that. Maybe they give him like, I don't know, a weird first or last name. Considering what does Vince think Sabu is a first name or a last name? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be interesting. What was uh, but, um, what was uh, Sheik's last name when he feuded with um, when he feuded with Slaughter when he was with Slaughter and feuded with Hogan? Oh, um, what was his last name? It was General Adnan and Colonel Mustafa. There you go. He's Sabu Adnan. There you go. Perfect. That's the answer. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I wonder if the Iron Sheik would come in to manage him. Sabu might not want that whatsoever, but... Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Very true. Uh, There is a boatload of TV taping notes here. Nothing really. I went through these. There's a few things taped... A few things taped for Coliseum video. Nothing too interesting, in my opinion. If there's something that I missed and you want to call it out, feel free, Alex. But two things that or really one thing we just talked about Survivor Series. And this is pretty famous in history. But to Tonka, we'd mentioned him getting his first clean pinfall uh, loss, even though if there were shenanigans in the match. Uh, he's officially kayfabe pulled from the Survivor Series match, but uh, another individual has taken his place. It's Americana Undertaker. He comes out with the Steiners and Lex Luger at the tapings, 
opens up his cloak, uh, trench coat, whatever you want to call it, with a really cool old school kind of old glory esque American flag kind of stitched in the innards of the uh, jacket, which are really, really cool. If you recall that, Alex, but uh, do you remember this? And uh, again, was there anything else in these tapings that jumped out to you? In the tapings, no. You are the only person that thinks the inside of that jacket is cool. I you think it's the cool. Only one. I like the old glory look. You know, he, he hated that, right? Did he really? Because it was yeah, outside he, of his, you know, his gimmick. Yes. And uh, which is ridiculously ironic, considering what happens in a little less than 10 years from now. <laughs> true, true. Um, but. What's funny, Pritchard tells a story when they cover, I don't know if it's covering this show or just this time period of Taker or I mean, it could also be both. The answer might be both. But um, Taker took the jacket home and they wanted him to wear it for something else. And he told them that his dog had eaten the inside of the jacket. (laughs) That sounds familiar. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And and I think somebody said, oh, that's fine. Just, you know, we'll just make up, make you up a new one. And he made up some other excuse. (laughs) Which is why, because there was a plan to do it a second time. I don't know. I mean, we'll find out um, in the next like month or two. I don't know if he did like house show tags with Luger against mm-hmm. like Yoko and Borga or something. But there was something like that that they wanted him to they use want, yeah. for. Um, and it didn't happen unless unless I'm totally misremembering that. And they wanted him to break it out for like 94 Rumble or something. But something tells me it was sooner than that. I think the reason I like it, two things. One, it's a one off, so it's harmless. Two, I mean, I just think the use of that flag style is cool and go and does. You can make fun of me for this, but it does go with that gimmick. If you're going to do something American with him. Using like an old school American flag. I'm keeping saying old school. I, there's probably a better word for it, but using the older style American flag, uh, you know, kind of was uh, their way of kind of getting away from it being that corny. That's just my opinion again. And then the the awkwardness to it, as obviously it goes beyond the boundary of what his character was. And of course, it's like force feeding the Undertaker character in the American team, right? Which is like, doesn't really make sense. Tatanka made sense, but he doesn't really make sense. So that's just my opinion, but I'd like to hear why you didn't like it so much. Uh, Because I think it's ridiculously stupid because why would a dead guy care so much about his country that he went and found a tailor to sew the American flag from when he died? Is that what we're supposed to believe? Like he died sometime in the 1700s. So this is the flag that he's using. And again, commissioned a tailor to put this in his jacket. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Well, he's also a dead guy. So you're kind of ignoring that fact a little bit. Yeah, but I can live with the dead guy. (laughs) Apparently so. Yeah. But again, this begs the question of, so he's been dead for 200 something years. <laughs> like that's the, the thought yeah, process. Hey, hey. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, listen, it's all good fun. We don't, we don't disagree too often. So I'm not going to die in this hill. Like the undertaker did. 
You know, you kept saying old school, and I thought you were saying it on purpose because it was The Undertaker. Yeah, I but thought that too, but I it did. wasn't. Yeah, it really wasn't. Um, anything else? We have a few more notes in the WF section, but anything else on this topic? No. Um, it's dumb. But then again, he comes back as a motorcycle riding patriot. So it, it it would have been a cool tie back if he did bring that flag out or or even war. I mean, that would have made sense, actually. That would have been kind of a cool throwback where he's tight, a biker taker, but wears that jacket. No, he would have had to get it sewn on the inside of the leather trench coat looking thing. <laughs> you had. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, I think <clears throat> American badass taker would have had to update it. Because I like to believe that American Badass Taker would have been aware of how many states were currently a part of the United States, as opposed to Super Dead Taker, who would not have. Like 13. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Touche. A few other notes here. A feature article on Jerry Lawler uh, was published in the Commercial Appeal, which was apparently a publication in Memphis, Tennessee. In the article, Lawler mentioned uh, him increasing his national schedule just beyond, you know, obviously with the the, the WWF, not just uh, the Memphis Territory. He also notes he sees himself retiring after another five years uh, and then moving into the broadcast booth. So that kind of tracks basically in line with where he he is. Obviously, he keeps wrestling for many years, but I think on the uh, more consistent basis, he he retires within that time frame. Uh, Moving on. Uh, the WF pay-per-view schedule is out for 1994. The Rumble is scheduled for January 22nd. WrestleMania 10, March 20th. June 19th, we'll see the King of the Ring. SummerSlam is scheduled for late August, August 29th. And next year's Survivor Series will be November 23rd. So you will hear the reviews of each and every one of those pay-per-views right here on the 90s Passcast. Anything else for the WF before we move to WCW? No. All right. So speaking of pay-per-views, WCW will run seven shows, pay-per-view shows in 94. Will not continue, according to Wade, the monthly pay-per-view schedule as they have been uh, this year, which is interesting. Um, there's a few quotes here. In the edition of the October 18th edition of Cablevision, which is a cable trade publication, there's a headline that reads, Wrestling fights back. Wrestling buy rates have been falling for years, but adding more events seem to have stemmed the decline. The article said the peak for wrestling on pay-per-view was around 1990. A senior VP of programming for pay-per-view network viewer's choice, that's the one we were talking about not too long ago, Said it appears the slide in wrestling buy rate seems to have leveled off. I'm not sure WCW would agree, but they are quoted here. WCW VP of Marketing Sharon Sadello did agree. A representative of Media General Cable believed there was still a slide, just not as a steep slide in the last few years. The WWF, on the other hand, said the steroid and sexual improprieties publicity didn't have a negative impact, which is hilarious said wf manager of pay-per-view skip desjardins it was a bigger story in new york than it was in des moines did it affect our business i don't know that there's any way to really tell but the upshot of it 
was we didn't lose a single cable affiliate. We didn't lose a single advertiser and we didn't lose a single TV station. Desjardins said concerning the WWF running five events to WCW seven, it gives us an air of this is something special that they, meaning WCW, will probably lose over time if they're doing it almost every month. He goes on to say the WWF research says the overlap between WCW and WWF fans is only 20 to 25 percent due to age demographics and regionalism. Some other interesting stats cited in the article, WrestleMania had dipped 47% from 1990 to 1993. The WWF predicted its gross revenue from pay-per-view from 19, for 1993 would match its $51.7 million gross for 92, thanks to a fifth event in 93, which would have been King of the Ring. WCW and WWF events accounted for 37% of all pay-per-view event revenue, 16% of overall revenue, including movies, etc., was included there. In 1992, at 65 million, six is that 65 or 6.5? I think it's 65. Um, of which operators keep about half of that. It's believed the WF generates over 70% of the gross revenues for pay-per-view wrestling. A lot of stats in there. A lot of information. My takeaway is WF still thinks it's king of pay-per-view, and it is, but but running more is not where they want to be in 1993 or going into 1994. Uh, I wonder if 1995 they have a different story, but we'll get there at some point. Uh, any thoughts on this one? Any takeaways? Um, looks like WCW is uh, tailing back on their pay-per-view schedule is uh, another big takeaway from this one. First of all, did they... Did- are they running nine this year, or is it eight? Uh, I th- I want to say nine because they added they added a bunch around the time we're covering now, as far as like one a month, basically. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed: the Weight Killer Processing Podcast, Weight Killer Processing Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. I'm trying to think back because they had Super Brawl. Um, what, was the, what was that weird one that we didn't like? Uh, Slamboree. Fall Brawl, Havoc, that's four. Beach, oh, okay. Blast, Beach Blast is five. Battle Bowl is six. Starcade is seven. Is there one I'm missing? I am looking at Wikipedia. The only one you didn't mention, which is listed as a pay-per-view, is I would not include it. It's WCW New Japan Super Show 3. Okay. So I think you have it seven. Yeah, seven. Okay, so they're just Which, not if that's the case. Back. Yeah, they're just keeping seven. Well, they dropped Great American Bash and replaced it with Slamboree, kind of, sorta. Right, and they have not launched Spring Stampede yet, so that doesn't count. I don't know if this seven number in '94 is right. 
Oh, well, I'm looking at 94 now, too, and I do see seven here. So I don't know. Uh, oh, there's name different? Uh, there might be. Yeah, well, Spring Stampede does get introduced in uh, 94. I'm trying to understand what goes away. Oh, maybe Battle Bowl. Oh, that's the answer. Yeah, that's that, that's yeah, what that's the swap like, is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. OK. And then <clears throat> the second thing you brought up, well, you brought it up before this, but the WWF side, I don't think they ever intended to go much past. Like they went to five. Obviously, we know that mm-hmm. that was this year. I do not think they ever had any intention to go monthly until they were, let me rephrase, until they felt like they were forced to. And I still, to this day, don't think they would have gone that far again if they didn't feel like they had to. I I think we would have eight like now. Do you think the rise in WCW in the late 90s is what the force, you know, the force element was? Yeah, when we get to '95, and because I think I think Bischoff does it. It's it's funny you say that because if you if you had asked me without bringing up the seven, I would have told you they started running monthly at the end of '94. But I but I think what it is is that they would have released the pay per view schedule around this time mm-hmm. in '94, so a year from now we're going to get a 12 pay-per-view schedule for 95. So I think that's more of what it is. Yeah, that could be it. So I agree with your thinking with WWF's thinking, but here's an, the thing that I don't understand. This is more of a question for them than you and me, but this article saying they grossed the same amount of revenue in 93 from the pay-per-views than they did as the same as they did in 92. And because of the fifth pay-per-view added in 93. So wouldn't logic tell them that they should consider increasing the volume of pay-per-views? Um, especially for dwindling returns. Well, I get I get your logic and I understand where you're coming from. But part of the reason and we're we're going to cover this too with the advent of Nitro. It's funny everybody cracks on 95 and how crappy it is. And I totally agree. The product is crap. But when we get to that in our show, it's actually going to be super interesting because there's a lot of business things that go on in 95 that you and I can go through. That'll be just as interesting as us rebooking every single show because they're all terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But again, it's, it's going to pop up again. The thing is with Vince is he didn't want to give things away. And I'm going to tell you right now that the thought process that he would have had is we stayed the course and added a fifth one. But the more we add, the more we dilute this thing and the more it's going to hurt our product because we're going to have to do reruns. And in this time period, it's funny because that's what like a big knock on WWE was a few years ago. It's, it's gotten slightly better now to a, a small extent, but the reruns are like the big knock on them over the last decade or so that they just run stuff into the ground. And they didn't do that in the early nineties or the eighties, like at all, like Hogan had a bunch of one-offs and even in this era, like 
have we seen a pay-per-view main event twice? Like, have we seen the same two guys wrestle twice? No, you're right. Yeah. Even even in the early pay-per-view days, he, you know, he being Vince, like, thinking of 87, because that's when they expanded into Survivor Series, and then the next year they added SummerSlam. Like, Andre and Hogan were in the mix those two years, but it's not like they wrestled on house shows, right? So you, to see those guys, you're still... You might be giving away a, a version of that match again, but it's like a, in a tag match. There's like a cage match thrown in there somewhere. Um, so I think that you know that just reinforcing your point here. He, he's he's certainly not giving things away. And and even when we had like the quote unquote rerun, it wasn't exactly the same because like you look at Hogan and Savage. Yeah, they wrestle at WrestleMania and then they run it back at Survivor Series, but they have partners now. Like right. it's it right. is yep. a different man. Like they were very very conscious of that, and I I do not believe it was until you know the expanded pay per view schedule that they just threw that out the window and we started getting you know it, it's funny because we'll talk about this in ninety five ninety six but like what did Savio Vega wrestle Steve Austin like fourteen pay per views in in ninety six ninety five you know what I mean. <laughs> Like, sure, that's yeah. what all of that started. So it's it's like a product of what happened again. Like, there's a lot of good things we can talk about with Bischoff, but there's a couple of like bad things that have lingered, like even 25 years after the fact that I still don't super forgive him for contributing to. Mm. Well, we're certainly going to get to it, that all. Um, no, good point. Good point on that. And that was Vince's thinking. We talked about this from the get go too on the show is that the, the fact that, you know, pay-per-views drive a lot of revenue. Health shows are still kind of the foundation though, for, for these companies, at least for WWF. WCW is having a very difficult time with that. Uh, anything else on that article or any other thoughts there? No. Moving into some WCW notes, this is an interesting one. WCW is officially changing the way it spells Jerry Sags' name from two G's and Sags to just one. Sags has the last name tattooed on his arm with only one G. At first, we accused him of misspelling his name on his arm, was quoted by uh, WCW spokesman Mike Weber. Now we're going to give him to give in rather and spell it with one G. Also, was that a kayfabe quote, by the way? I'm just realizing that as I read it back aloud. I was like, is he is he saying, oh, you know, because Sags is obviously a heel. Was he trying to say that, you know, Sags couldn't spell? <laughs> I I really wish I could give them enough credit to say that that's the case, <laughs> but I do not think so. <laughs> okay. Um. It's also noted that Brian Nobbs spells his name, his last name, with only one B in Nobbs, according to Weber. A very interesting way to start the WCW news section. Um, one WCW exec says the rumored three hundred thousand plus salary, three hundred thousand dollar plus salary for Mean Gene is actually higher than his actual pay. That's in relation to a uh, a, a news story a few weeks ago in the. B2B Torch. Uh, there is confidence in the company that he will bring a finishing touch to selling pay-per-views. 
Um, I have seen this from the get go. I think he was on the last clash. He's obviously on Halloween Havoc here. And uh, that's clearly where he brings the value to this company. WCW Slam Jam, the album has sold 10,000 plus units. A second album is already in the works. Joy, joy, joy. (laughs) Sting will have a recurring role in Hulk Hogan's Thunder in Paradise, which debuts this fall. Again, I've said it before. I cannot believe this happened in 93. I thought this was a Nitro era show. Uh, maybe when it runs in reruns, it because I feel it runs for like a year. Yeah, it's not long. <clears throat> that must be the case. WCW canceled its Omni show on Thanksgiving, which is historically its biggest night. And uh, no, you know what? Not noted in the WWF section was the weekly scorecard. So let me jump back to that real quick. Monday Night Raw for October 25th got a overall score of 77 out of 100. Uh, if you recall, Alex ran down this last week, just giving kind of the, the various tallies that Wade gives to the show. Uh, the biggest tally for this show was a once again achieved purpose, 18 out of 20. Match quality also got a 15 out of 20. So jumping back into WCW, its weekly scorecard did pretty well. I think better than last week, 71 out of 100. Uh, The match quality, probably not surprisingly, was the highest for WCW, 17 out of 20. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, if you recall off the top of your head, but Achieve Purpose was much lower last week. This week is a 15 out of 20. Again, this is for the Saturday night show on the the 18th of October. So pretty good stuff. The worst, I should have said this for WDF, I'll go back to that in a second. The worst rated portion for this Saturday night were both angles five out of ten, and announcing got a five out of ten as well. Interesting on the announcing part. Yeah. Uh, back to Raw real quick. the The worst uh, points tally it got was for interviews three out of ten, which is interesting. Uh, I should have noted this, too. Production actually got a 10 out of 10. So technically, from a percentage perspective for WWF, that was the highest. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Anything else for the WCW news section? Of course, we'll get back to WCW in a second. But uh, before we hit on a, uh, a little Northeast promotion in Philadelphia, anything else from you on WCW? No, we're going to talk plenty of WCW in a little bit. Okay, so we are talking Eastern Championship Wrestling very briefly. They're back in the news because they have a November to to remember the first annual, which is actually ends up becoming a very big deal for them every year. To me, this was like their WrestleMania, so to speak. I just thought November to remember was such a like a tried and true. I don't know if that's what Paul would have, you know, Paul Heyman would have agreed to if he thinks that, too. I don't know if I've ever heard him say what their bread and butter show was, but I always kind of thought this was their big show. Uh, it will be taking place on November 13th. There is a pretty big main event with Sabu and Hawk, Road Warrior Hawk versus Terry Funk and a mystery partner. Kevin Sullivan versus Tommy Cairo will wrestle in a shoot fight. Medusa and Sherry Martell will go one-on-one, which I thought was very cool to see here in 93. And the Tasmaniac, excuse me, the Tasmaniac and Tommy Dreamer will also go one on one. 
I also noticed that uh, Mr. Hughes is on this card. Just uh, that's if you're wondering where the heck he went, here he is. Uh, any other thoughts on this one or anything else? Uh, I never knew Mr. Hughes showed up in ECW in this time period. That was total news to me. Yeah, I remember. I think he was in like a one of their many, many different show openings. Like you would just see a clip of him. Must have been in the early days. Um, moving on to the triple play, there's a few things to hit on the hit on this week. The first one really is reader response to Havoc. So I'm not going to speak to that just now. We can if if we recall, I'll, I'll go back to it because it does give the averages and there's a lot of quotes we won't even speak on anyway. Um, the second feature, go figure about Sabu. This actually is a kind of a fun one. Um, so long story short, John Rezzi had held his fourth annual weekend of champions convention this past weekend as this issue came out. Um, it started with a Friday night wrestling card. So. Sabu ended up not being happy with what happened at the convention. He asked John Arezzi how much a table cost, and it was told by him it's about 80 to 100 bucks. So Sabu ended up breaking two tables during his match. He faced Conan <laughs> for reference. And then after the match, Arezzi told him, well, do you owe me 225 per table? So obviously Sabu wasn't happy with that. He was upset at first, but they ended up reaching a compromise where Sabu ended up selling off the broken pieces, which totaled 225 so basically paying for one of the broken tables. From there, however, John Arezzi took $125 from the total. This is because Arezzi had a deal with the wrestlers that they'd auction things off, and if they did, Arezzi would get half of the, the earnings from that. Sabu disagreed, thinking the table should not fit into this category, Sabu was ended up, you know, ended up being paid a thousand dollars for these the appearances both Friday and Saturday, but lost three fifty from the tables. Oh. Arezzi was not reached by deadline for comment, so we don't have his side of the story. To be fair, but uh, not a great night monetarily for Sabu. All in. You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show. And it will also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at PWTorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, PWTorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. This is what I was talking about before. He would have made more money if he went to WWF. <laughs> yeah, there you go. They'll have someone else pay for the for the tables. Actually, you know what? That's an interesting question. I didn't think I had to ask you. Does Vince allow Sabu to even do that in 1993? Break tables? Absolutely not. I'm curious. I wonder if he did. If he would have. 
Absolutely not. Yeah. I, I think there is a negative percent chance of that. I could see maybe like saving it for spot on pay-per-view, but not making it like if you remember Sabu did this all the time, he would moonsault tables. I remember as a as a tape collector early on. There was a Sabu series put together, someone somewhere put it together, and uh, it was I think it was just called like Moon's Holding Tables or something. I forget what it was called, but it was all Sabu matches and clips. And him um, just crushing himself constantly. Yeah, just different matches and then just clips of him like post match, just moon solving an empty table. And <laughs> these are like the the the, the pre w the pre wrestling versionized tables that we're all well aware of now. Like they were like really hard tables, chipped wood, like nothing like like truly under the ring, like just randomly sitting around. So but yeah, not a great night for him. Um, well, I guess any other comments on this one? No, we can move on. OK. We're so doing I'm gonna a lot of Sabu over the last month. I know a lot. And they, I like Sabu, so we're learning a lot about him. But it's kind of getting comical at this point. Uh, this is an edits, editor's notes section of the Torch Triple Play. So we're going to kind of start. This could be a good uh, leeway or or um, lynch pin into Halloween Havoc. But it starts off with Wade saying it's inevitable that whenever something such as Dusty Rhodes' streak of bad booking takes place, and he's thusly criticized that WCW defenders come out of the woodwork. Wade says, I get letters saying, stop the WCW bashing. It's frustrating because it's not my job to cheerlead WCW. A honest critique backed by fair explanations for my re- my views is not bashing, Wade says, not even if I state my views with, with vigor and passion. In fact, if I didn't care about WCW, I wouldn't bother to critique the organization. I, as do most writers and readers who follow a sport because they are fans of it, want to see the sport do well. Never should criticizing an organization in the short term, realizing it could lead to long term benefits, be confused with wishing the organization ill will. Similar uh, similar complaints come when the WBF was under heavy media scrutiny. Some ridiculously ask for the coverage to be limited to the initial story, but no follow up. They felt any more coverage was evidence of a deep-seated desire to see the WWF empire fail, or fall, rather. In any given week, I can be criticized for being biased against WCW, the WWF independents, and specific promoters and wrestlers. It's understandable because many wrestlers have a certain home team promotion for whom they like to cheer, but that home team loyalty should not come at the exclusion of a realistic and critical eye for what is wrong with the organization and what changes could make it better. Uh, I think you can literally replace WCW with AEW and WWF with WWE, and that's pretty relevant today. Yep, totally agree. Yeah, Wade's getting that. To this day, and actually, you and I were just talking about this. You know, AEW is getting some heat, some critic, you know, criticism from Wade as of late, and rightfully so. But yeah, it's certainly still present. Yeah, there. I mean, as long as as long as you cover something and cover two things at the same time that produce the same product 
regardless of how much you try to be objective, people are always going to make the assumption you like one more than the other. There's just really no way to get around that. Absolutely. A lot of it, too, you're reacting to something in the moment. So, you know, we always like to get those. We as a, you know, I think a race of people, you know, we're, we we like to react to something right off the bat versus it. And in wrestling, it's easy to do that because it's literally a show almost every day. Yeah, exactly. There's literally so, something every day now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also a piece here about Heyman and Cornette, which has nothing to do with WCW. Uh, it really talks about the where these guys are going, and Wade really gets into the fact that they're so similar, and it's going to be interesting to really look back at, at their paths and see where they came and where they go in a few years, too. I'm not going to really cover that in full, but it's 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 just a little, it's a few paragraphs there. Anything else on this? Is it time to get into our Havoc review? Yes, it is. It is Halloween Havoc time. It is Halloween Havoc time. And you mentioned it right off the bat. This was this was a good one. This was a good show. Uh, There's going to be a theme here that we've already touched on um, that there's kind of sours a little bit. But I have have my own little take on that, too. So we'll get to that. But this is Havoc 93, October 24th, 1993. It took place in New Orleans, Louisiana, at the Lakefront Arena. Uh, this was WCW's fifth pay-per-view of the year. And at the time, actually, let me look up the attendance for this, because the torch does not have what the attendance is. Okay, this is interesting. So apparently this was just over 8,000 fans, if I'm getting it right. Let me confirm this. That's not that bad. Yeah, not bad. Oh, you know what? That's that's articles wrong. Hold on. That was that was a faulty number. Okay, so about six thousand. Not terrible. Okay, that's that's more WCW '93. Yeah, it is. For some reason, it showed me. I put in that, but it showed me Starcade '93, which isn't. Again, not terrible. Um, but hey, I mean, listen. Uh, AEW pay-per-views certainly get more than 6,000, but give me a dynamite with 6,000 people any day. I, I will, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> we double the current attendance. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Even I'll say that. So listen, I, I know you like me to start off with these, and I'm going to gladly do so, but... The opener for this is so campy. It's just great. <clears throat> I don't know how you can possibly explain this properly, but we're pretty much getting a mini movie here. This might be one of the last mini movies we see for a little while, from what I recall. And it's basically a few kids out trick or treating. One of them's a vampire. One of them's uh, Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster, at least. One of them is Sting, which is awesome. And they're out trick or treating. One of them tells the others like listen i gotta get home i need to watch halloween havoc which just made me laugh out loud because you know in 1993 there's no kid out there on halloween telling his friends her friends whatever i need to go watch halloween havoc can you see yourself doing that back then or you know in in any era like maybe in like the the attitude era 
Um, I would like to point out that my last note for this segment is also, I think I'm the weird kid who wanted to go home and watch wrestling <laughs> because we have enough candy. <laughs> but Halloween Havoc does 93. I, I don't know about 93. I mean, I'm yeah. two here. Like, I'm almost three years old for this show. So I can't tell you then, but I'm pretty confident that if there was ever a Halloween on a Sunday that there happened to be a pay-per-view, that I would have been like, we have enough candy. <laughs> I I think it's time to go home and watch wrestling. I, I I think that's I think wrestling versus WCW in 93 are two different things. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I do love the kids sting shirt. I kind of want that shirt. I've never seen it before or since anywhere. It's like it's got like three heads of sting in his logo. It's kind of cool. But then they come up to this, uh, you know, uh, haunted house looks like creepy house. And Tony Schiavone, of all people, answers the door. And he's the creepiest guy you've ever like. I would call the cops on this Tony Schiavone. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I mean, this is creepy stuff. Um. And it's just like magical and there's like things he's like, you know, bouncing around. He's, you know, closes the door and then he, all of a sudden he's like on the balcony. It's just weird. Long story short, he rips his face off and uh, he's like a werewolf monster or something. Like these kids are pretty dumb, by the way. They're just like, yeah, let's go in here. This is totally funny. And why didn't they? They did. They do rightfully question why he's there and not in uh, at the pay-per-view. That was so my I, favorite I, part. I give him a credit for that. Yeah. So I like how you glossed over the fact that Tony Schiavone is trying to goad these kids into his house with candy like it's Hansel and Gretel. I tried to, like, not outright say that because I don't want to, like, yeah, but you're you're 100 percent right. Like, and the maybe maybe it's because time are different or whatever i don't know but like the connotation of this video in 2023 when you watch it i feel like chris hansen is about to come around the corner <laughs> and and take tony away yeah like it's very very off-putting it's very like, yes, good word where we are now very good word it's very off-putting they try to get around it with like some of these like innuendos where he says like they're like, oh, where's your wife? And he says, oh, she's baking as if to say like she's cooking in the oven, you know, like those types of things. <laughs> but it is super, super creepy. I'm sure he had a blast doing this, by the way. I'm I'm also I'm pretty sure you can correct me if I if you know this isn't one of the kids his son. I don't know. I only okay. think that because you said that. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I thought I thought the vampire was his son, like the main kid. Yeah. Um, so th- that's kind of where we lead off. Then you kick it to the actual arena. Uh, and Tony Shawnee is obviously there. He's dressed as Jesse Ventura, which is pretty well done. And doesn't Jesse Ventura make another crude comment from the start where he's like, he's dressed as a doctor and he, I think he says he's a gynecologist or something uh there's a bunch of them in this show like there's three or four times where i wrote down oh that was that was good from jesse 
But then immediately after that, he said something either homophobic, racist, something. Yeah. Or like just in ridiculously poor taste. Like, I cannot believe this guy ended up being a politician. In all (laughs) seriousness. Sure. Very like, okay. So people watch the attitude era and, and bring up like Jerry Lawler quotes on the internet. And they're like, can't say that now. Okay. Jesse Ventura on this show. And I don't know if it was the one we watched before this or the one before that, but he makes Lawler look ridiculously tame by comparison with some of this stuff. Well, I guess he got away with the fact that not a lot of people watch this and anyone who did was probably in agreement with what he was saying anyway. Yeah, unfortunately, you're probably right. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Speaking of poor taste, but then we cut to Eric Bischoff, who claims he's dressed as General Custer. I found that out later. Like, they don't say it right off the bat. But he's wearing... Like, he's not wearing a Union out- arm, like, an outfit. He's clearly oh, wearing I, a Southern... I thought it was Southern garb. Oh, I thought he was there as Eric Bischoff. <laughs> like, I thought... He just had such a high opinion of himself that he went as himself. He was the general for the night. Yeah, Yeah, he was just himself. Well, like, it's so weird. He's clearly wearing a gray Civil War outfit, which is not the North. That's the South. But he claims he's also General Custard, who was a northern like general. He doesn't know. Yeah. When I first saw this, I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, you could get away with stuff back then, but it was just, man, they did a lot of interesting stuff right off the bat here. The only other comment, this is actually a good comment, is I love, I just like the Havoc logo. I think it just aged well, and, and to the point of the fact, I know that NXT still uses it basically today, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah, I agree. That is one of the few. That, and and what's funny is WCW's pay-per-view logos, like all of them aged fairly well. Like, yeah, yeah. The Bash at the Beach logo, I think um, AEW even used that a, a couple of years ago for a show they did in Miami. They did, and before they had to give it up, yeah. But there was, like, that one was always good with the the surfboard. Um, the Havoc one is good, and it's it's super simple. But what they end up settling on for the Starcade logo with the star in it is also a good logo. Yeah, agreed. Uh, one thing I'm I'm watching it back in the background just for like to, to pick up on anything I might have missed. The the entrance way is pretty hokey. I mean, it's always kind of hokey for Havoc, but you know, the, I think even the prior actually no, the prior year they didn't really do that. They were no. in the dark dungeons of Philly. Well, it was just like dark, dark arena. 
we're also in like that weird like like middle area and it, this is kind of leads into a question i'm going to ask you later but yeah this is this is like the weird middle area before they've gone to the giant pumpkin and right, the, right. And the Slim Jim branding and all that stuff that everybody associates with Halloween Havoc. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not there yet, but we're, again, we're past the sparkly curtain and yes. into the in-between um, before we get to the big pumpkin. So it's it's a little odd from that standpoint, to your point. Yeah. Uh, they do have kind of a cool pumpkin um, moon set up which is a nice little touch that's the only thing that strikes me as kind of cool looking um anything else on the intro from your perspective uh no i usually talk about the 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 kind of the arena as far as the crowd the lighting it, it didn't really strike me as interesting this time around so i don't really have any feedback on that uh we do kick it off with the absolute dirt worst match you could imagine um Two of these six guys are fine, but the rest are just complete awfulness, in my opinion. It's the Shockmaster, Ice Train, and Charlie Norris facing Harlem Heat and the Equalizer. Uh, the face team in this uh, in this match take it in just under nine minutes. Wade gives it a star. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? So this is what I alluded to earlier. Where like everybody that we made fun of in the last show is all in one match, basically. I would also like to bring up that this match is like the perfect example of what we talked about the last time we did a WCW pay-per-view with the whole who hires these people Hmm. thing. Yeah. Because let's just take a look here. On the positive hire side, we have Harlem Heat. Totally get it. Makes perfect sense. And and it proves out over time, um, you know, they are a Hall of Fame tag team and one of the two is a bonafide Hall of Famer in his own right. Right. So that proved out. And even in the time period, it makes sense. I know it didn't work out, but I get the ice train higher. I like, agree. I, I'm glad you said that. Yep. It, it makes sense. Um, also, while we're on the topic of ice train. We were trying to figure out what he was WCW's version of last time we did the show. And there was a glaringly obvious person that we left out. And I feel a little foolish. He is poor man's Big E Langston. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like what Ice Train was supposed to be is what Big E is. Mm-hmm, or was, mm-hmm. Depending on how you look at that. Sure, sure. Um, so that's the positive side of the hiring here. And then on the opposite side, we have Fred Ottman as the Shockmaster, Charlie Norris, who is WCW Tatanka, and the Equalizer. <laughs> I cannot come up with anything to describe him other than useless. Like, this match, ex- it perfectly explains what I was talking about, where how do you, how is it the same person hiring these people? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> it makes no sense. These these guys shouldn't be on this pay-per-view. This this match shouldn't exist because the rest of the show is solid on paper. Um not only that, like it makes me think the the clashes that we get have so much, you know, on, again, on paper have a lot better usage of some of this talent. 
Uh, this should have been the dark match. You know, I'm thinking that the equalizer, you know who he is? He is an even worse version of Barbarian. I'm not I'm sorry, not Barbarian, um Berserker. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he yeah, he's crappy Berserker. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just it's just baffling. The other part of this too, I would like to remind you before we we move on to the actual match, but mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. This company had one, two, three kid in for a tryout, and we're like, nah, we'd rather have the equalizer and Charlie Norris. And Sabu, if you remember. Remember, yeah. they didn't call him back. It just doesn't make any sense. And it, oh, yeah. they also had Benoit under a deal, and he's like, guys, I don't really like it here. I'm going to go back to Japan. And they're like, oh, okay. Right. right. And didn't they already also pass on Jerry Lynn? Or yeah. didn't, they didn't even like give him a sniff, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't know. It's it's just it's a baffling thing. And it's just like super disappointing. The the only one of the ones, the negative ones you mentioned that I, you know, can at least say why it happened. Not that we agree is that Fred Ottman is Dusty's buddy. Oh, I know that. I I get that. Yeah, but it doesn't doesn't make it right. Um, as far as the actual match goes, is there a new development in the copyright of Harlem Heat's music? Because they dub over it um, for Booker T matches in old WWE pay-per-views, and it is here in full. It is, yeah. I have that comment, too. I, I, th- I said the one good thing about the match is that we get to hear this song, but I, I didn't realize it wasn't... Uh you know, audible in the other ones, in the other matches. Yeah, it's it's edited. I wish I could think of like exactly how it's edited, but it used to even be edited in um, the video games. Oh, wow. And like I'm going I'm I don't mean like recent video games. I'm talking about like PlayStation 2 era. OK, OK. Like they've done that for years. So I, I have no idea what changed or if something changed, but it is an interesting note. Part of me wonders if. This is relevant, but random. I wonder if there is an editing mishap on the Peacock streaming service, because I did go back and watch ECW like shows. I I couldn't tell you which one not terribly long ago. And they just had curse words littered throughout, like nothing was bleeped out. They didn't edit anything out. So I don't know if there's just like they're missing some of this stuff or what. Like the F bomb, basically, just like let 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 it fly. I wish I could say that shocked me, but it <laughs> right. Otherwise, the the only thing I mean, it's it's nothing. Like this whole match is nothing. The the baby faces win, and it's fine. But I would like to point out uh, two of the three heels were in the main event of last month's pay-per-view. So (laughs) having them lose to a team of guys that most people don't know who the hell they are is a super odd choice. Um, Again, unfortunately, I get it. And I understand, you know, start the show with a babyface win. But this, this is just one of those things. Like, if you're trying to fit people on the show, it's fine. But... I I don't know. 
I almost wish Harlem Heat had like walked off and left Equalizer by himself <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. But he could take the it just it's just kind of silly. But other than that, it is what it is. Before we get into your thoughts, I do have a question, though. Um, a big thing that we harped on the last time was the fact that we thought they wasted a lot of time on Charlie Norris and Ice Train in these squash matches. And I think Equalizer's in like a nothing tag or in a tag match where he does like nothing. And then the other three guys are in the main event. But do you prefer putting them all in one match like this? Or would you rather what we had last time where it's a couple of squashes trying to get them over? Okay, so that's that was one of my points I was going to make. I the one positive of this Harlem Heat aside is you're just clumping all the crap into one match and getting it over with. Now, I wouldn't open yeah. the show with that. Like I said, I would make this a dark match personally, but I would maybe weave it in somewhere. It's going to be crappy no matter where you place it, but I don't know how you expect these guys to to fire up the crowd on a pay-per-view. I don't know. Like what, what one person of these six is supposed to fire up the crowd to kick off your pay-per-view? Totally agree. You know? But that said, yeah, I, I agree. I think this should be the way it is. Just lump them all together. Get it over with. Um, so you, you mentioned the ending. Not only did the ending suck, but the Shockmaster actually pins Booker T. Like, of all the people that could lose, Booker T is the one that take the fall. Me the other thing that was... Yeah, yes, yes. They're not even called uh, Booker <laughs> T or Stevie Ray yet. Yep. So it's not even the good version of Harlem Heat. Uh, the other thing, did you notice when, as the Shockmaster's pinning Booker T, Stevie Ray is literally right there to break up the pin, but instead pivots to his left to, like, battle one of the other opponents? He, like, defends well, off that's ice, why, ice train. That's why Stevie needed Booker to get in the Hall of Fame, and he's not in by himself like Booker. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> Um, did you realize Ice Train's catchphrase was "choo choo"? I did know that. I didn't know that, <laughs> or I blacked it out. I don't know. They tried again. They... We're going to talk about Ice Train for years. Yeah, we will. We will. Which I never realized until we started doing the show. Because I would have, <laughs> if you would ask me in trivia, when does Ice Train debut? I'd have been like, I don't know, like March of '95. Right. Right. Uh, no. So this is this is going to go on for a while. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't know the choo choo thing. I don't know if he maybe he still does that when he's with. Um, Norton. Uh, Scott Norton. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, maybe. The beginning of their entrance music or something. Uh, OK. Like there's a reason I knew that, but I don't remember <laughs> what it is. It's great. Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash paper copy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more pwtorch.com slash paper copy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a pro wrestling torch newsletter, 
paper copy edition in the year 2022, you can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash papercopy. Um, the only other note, you, you hit on other stuff too. Uh, the only other note I had was a clarification for everyone out there and for, for myself included. The story that Tony and Jesse t- tell about the Shockmaster what that, what, is that he's a klutz outside of the ring, but a ring general inside the ring. Oh, it's so stupid. So that's the story, and that's what we have to remember, everybody. So dumb. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, gets a little better here. Paul Orndorff, accompanied by the assassin for some reason. He defeated Ricky Steamboat, which is just uh, head-scratching. He wins by countout at 18 minutes and 32 seconds. Orndorff also attacks Steamboat after the bell. Uh, this one was rated two and a half stars by Wade. So, can, can you explain the assassin thing to me? Uh, only that I don't know how he fits that head in that mask. <laughs> I mean, I not expect that to be your answer to the question. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know why. I mean, I know he was a big deal somewhere at some point, but not here. So, I shouldn't say I know. I assume he was a big deal other than why. Other, uh, otherwise, why are they showcasing him here? You know, somebody somebody in the crowd goes, wow, the assassins here. Right. You That's the what they're banking on. In the front row? Yeah, exactly. Could be. Um, so before we get into the assassin, something that we didn't talk about before we went into the match. Originally, this was supposed to be Yoshi Kwan against Ricky Steamboat. Mm, okay. And he's replaced by Paul Orndorff. And the announcers have to pretend like that's disappointing when in reality... <laughs> This makes significantly more sense. It does. This is much better on paper. Yeah. Um, well, it's not it's not just the on paper part of it. <clears throat> Remember, Orndorff beat up Steamboat after Steamboat beat him for the TV title like True. two months ago. True. Yeah. Like, so there's the actual story to this. So why they never and they like never followed up on it. So it. They like fell into this being perfect and they still got it wrong. Like they couldn't even tell that story is your point. That's what I mean. Yeah. 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 They, they I I literally wrote. I love how they act like it's a plate. It's a replacement. Like you guys finally got it right and you can't even <laughs> acknowledge it. Yeah, it's it's right on. Back to the assassin thing. Um, I wrote that he's redundant. And the reason I say that is because Harley Race is already here and he's doing the exact same thing. And Harley Race has more clout with this audience than the assassin does. So his presence is completely unnecessary and unjustifiable. Yeah, but well said. Well said. And and isn't it also true that the equalizer wasn't he the heavy for Orndorff? Like, why don't you just keep him there? I know he just rustled, but that's not important here. That's a, yeah, that's what like, I mean. Didn't you it's, already introduce him? Yeah, it's another. It's well, it's it's another example of why this is redundant. And on yes. top of that, like 
Why does Paul Orndorff need to need a heater? He might be the one of the most over heels in this company. Yeah, people actively hate him. That's true. You're rattling off great point after great point. Um, actual ring work. Uh, it, this match was much longer than I thought it would be. I you might have said the time, but I felt like this was like sixteen or seventeen minutes. Yeah, it was just under nineteen. Okay. Yeah. Eighteen and a half. Yeah. And it's it's solid for what it is. Um, I I liked the last one better, probably because it was slightly shorter. I'll admit sure. that that's probably why. The last um, one between these two, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not not the six man. No, no. <laughs> the last time these two worked at the Clash. Right, right. This, and, by the way, not to cut you off, but I'm about to. I just did because this should be your opener. I. I think something else should be the opener, but we're not there yet. Okay, fair enough. And I, I actually have another case for something that would open this show if this show happened in 2023, but we're not there yet either. <laughs> oh, I know. I, uh, okay, I think I know where you're going. Yeah. So I don't like the cheap finish, but at least the announcers like set it up ahead of time. Like they talked about it a lot. And kind of telegraph. Yeah. So I, I can't hate it for that reason. But it, it is what it is. It's a WCW finish. Like, let's have an 18 and a half minute match with no decisive winner and nothing is settled. So we're in the same place we were 20 minutes. Right. Ago. Exactly. And you would think, too, if you're going to have a replacement for Steamboat, not for Steamboat, but for him to face in Orndorf, wouldn't you put Steamboat over like logically? I mean, I guess another way I'm thinking of this is I assume Simba would have beaten Yoshi Kwan. Oh, well, duh. Right. I mean, if he wouldn't have beat Yoshi Kwan, we have bigger problems. Yeah, yeah exactly. So if you're going to put Orndorf in here, you know, I don't know what the the issue with having Orndorf lose to Simba would have been. Um. Yeah, this was this was fine in general. Again, the ending is the ending. I think any of these endings, because we're going to go through all these poor endings as we go, but any of these endings by themselves would have been meh, you know, like, but the fact that just one after another is the problem. Um, I swear to you, there's a point in the match where the masked assassin headbutts Steamboat after loading his ma- his mask with something, some foreign object. I swear to you, I wrote this down the second before Jesse Ventura says it. I said, it's actually an incredible phenomenon that the assassin could fit anything else into the mask with his <laughs> fat face nearly breaking it at the seams. And by the time I finished typing that, Jesse Ventura almost says word for word the same thing. That's funny. It was great. I was just floored by that. Um... But, uh, yeah, the only other comment I have is, isn't it kind of interesting or it surprises me if you think about it? Nobody's brought back the fire breathing gimmick. Who could have? I don't know. I'm not sure. But I don't know. In like the day in the age of WWE production and everything is so, you know, hyped up times 20, like you would think maybe somebody would do it. 
Yeah, maybe it's just not safe now. Yeah, they're not allowed. You well, do see Steamboat after, like, the camera cuts to him after he does it. He, like, has a napkin. And he's wiping, you know, whatever whatever that liquid is Yeah, from his mouth. Maybe nobody's so. dumb enough to do it now. Uh, yeah, I wonder. I wonder what the. I mean, I can't imagine that's healthy <laughs> in any way. Well, Steamboat's still alive. He is. Yeah, he's still going. Um, anything else on this one? No, I mean, if for anybody keeping count, this is cheap finish number one. Yes. Um, two, two other things before we get to the next match. Tony Schiavone announces that the WCW's international board of directors, quote unquote, it ruled that the WCW must recognize Rick Rude's gold belt as a world title. Um, I I know this has to do with like the whole NWA thing, but like I thought it was a world title. I'm 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 just confused what the issue there was. Or what they're getting at. I mean, I think what they're ultimately getting at is it's stripping the NWA name from it, but they're not outright saying that. Um, but the whole fact that they're calling it, oh, now it's a world title. I just assumed that it was already. So a couple things to that point. The the first one is I thought this was the transition to them calling it the international championship. I thought the same. Yep. And a slight spoiler for later on, it's not because he's announced by Michael Buffer as the world champion in the main in the the title match later. On top of that, they also mention, um, I, I think it's Shivani mentions that they have a European tour. Coming up after this show, like basically in between this show and um, Battle Bowl, Mm -hmm. they're going to Europe for a week or something like that. And they mentioned that this person would be representing the world as their champion there. Hmm. In effect, making this title seem more important than the one that Vader holds for some reason. So... Anyway, I'm not making sense because the whole situation doesn't make sense. And we've talked about it a hundred times, how stupid this all is. But they managed to make it more confusing than it already was. And not only that, they make it seem like this title means more. But it doesn't main event the show. And it's, I don't know, it's very weird. It makes you you wonder why they didn't immediately have a unification match. Like what was holding them back from doing that? If, if this was a different company, I would say they were going to build to a big unification match so that they could make money off of it. But it's WCW. So we know they were never going to do that. Never, never. So to your point, yeah, they probably should have done it right away. I mean, Starcade's on the horizon. Like, you know, you would think this would be maybe the kickstart to that. And yet it's not at all. Yeah, there's not even an illusion. This lingers for another seven months, eight months until it's finally resolved. Um, One thing I forgot to mention, this actually happened before the Steamboat Orndorff 
match, and I forgot to mention it because it's just you'll you'll get it in a second. Uh, Terry Taylor has returned, so I don't know. You're you're happy, but he didn't return as a wrestler yet, at least. Alex, he is a uh, referee, apparently, and uh, he still sucks as a promo. By the way, he cuts a quick yeah, promo on this one. Yeah, he ends up being the outside ref for the upcoming, you know, Speak of the Devil, the the new world title um, between Flair and Rude later tonight. Speaking of stuff that doesn't make any sense, like what's the what's the need for that? I yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're right. Was there interference in their last match that was like in need of another referee on the outside? Um. Correct me if I'm wrong. Rude beat him with brass knuckles, right? In the last one or this one? No, the last one. He may have, but if it was brass knuckles, like that's a foreign object, not like a third, you know, another person coming in to help him. Oh, no, no, no. That's you know? my point. Yeah. Also, he hit him with the brass knuckles in the ring. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, the, what what point does this serve? Like, it would have been one thing if they had gone with my idea and Fifi had interfered, like yeah, I said yeah, should yeah. have happened. I agree. Um, yeah. But it didn't, so this doesn't make any sense. I think Terry Taylor is now working for WCW again. He's probably on the booking committee, and that's why he's here. I don't know why you hate Terry Taylor so much. I think he's awful. I really just think he's terrible. I, don't I will I will gr- agree with you in the sense I thought the tailor made man, at least the, toward the end of it, was getting somewhere and then he was gone. So I, I do agree with you there. But generally speaking, I just think he's awful. Um, moving on, Lord Stephen Regal fought British Bulldog to a 15 minute time limit jog in 15 minutes. So. This was a TV title match. As we know, Regal is now the TV champ after beating um, Steamboat in the last show we covered. Um, Michael Buffer is here again. He is going to be here. They're, they're, he's getting, they're getting their money's worth with him tonight because he, he's introducing this match as well. Uh, this is exactly how I envision any Steve Regal match in this era of WCW. Just like 15 minute time limit draws, basically. Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com. Before I hand it over to you, I just want to try to find the star rating, if there is one. Uh, I don't see one. But uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, 
Oh, excuse me. Oh, two minute, two two stars. So not not a not a great one there. By oh, the way. Surprised, I'm surprised it didn't get more than that. Yeah. Um, same. So this kind of actually ties into your your first note here, but they do use Michael Buffer, and if you notice, he um calls the match like the battle for Great Britain or something along those mm-hmm. lines. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool and a good idea. And it's funny, like you and I talked about, I don't know if it was a month ago or two months ago, um, people for re- not Regal, but for Bulldog to wrestle. And we never considered Regal in that conversation. True. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like really interesting for the time period because like I don't know if a lot of people even now think back to 93 and go, yeah, Regal and Bulldog, right? No, like, I, I'm certainly not one of those people. Like or, or maybe I should say I am one of those that doesn't think about that. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. it's a weird thing that like you don't even think about them existing in the same. <laughs> exactly. Stri- like universe. Yeah. The only time you think of them existing in the same area is like real man's man. And I wear jeans now. Woof, woof. woof. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and maybe it's like three months. Yes, exactly. I was say maybe stretching it to, Oh, there's a trap door in the ring and you know, don't get injured on it. Era too. Yeah. It, oh, that's true. I forgot about that. I forgot Regal still worked there then. Um, so that aside this is fine for what it is the the best part of this is a lot of the commentary because the commentary covers the fact that bulldog is like this big muscle guy who's trying to beat regal by being a big muscle guy and regal is just out wrestling him every step of the way yeah which is interesting because i actually think regal is bigger than bulldog like he's at least taller or they're the same height. <clears throat> Either way, Bulldog doesn't look significantly bigger than Regal here because Regal has like that weird body type. So even though they frame it that way, your eyes don't tell you that that's like the juxtaposition of the two people. So it's a little odd, but it is cool that they like go to those links and then uh, Shivani like pushes back on Ventura and mentions that Bulldog is actually a good scientific wrestler too. And I would like to bring up that that was true like five years ago and eh, maybe a little bit less than five years ago, but Shivani thinks that because he worked in WWF when Bulldog was a good technical wrestler before he ballooned up to be gigantic. Yeah, and to that point, two things. One, I I have it on. Excuse me, in the background, and yeah, he Regal is a little bit bigger from a size perspective, height perspective. And you're right. I mean, Bulldog is just so ballooned up right now. He looks like leaner from when he first entered WCW. He doesn't look as bloated, but he's certainly pumped up for sure. Um, hundred percent, hundred percent accurate here with the fact that this is just like an a natural rivalry that never really existed so the fact that we get it here is it is kind of fun to to see because i i didn't peg this to happen at all um the thing that's weird about the bulldog like i wonder this is 
you know, either a question to you or, you know, just in general, like, why do you think they, they've, he fell down the ladder here a lot. He's made eventing all these pay-per-views. He gets a few world title shots and not to say Regal's a bad opponent, but he has a TV title. You're not going to have Bulldog win the TV title. Clearly he doesn't hear. It's like, what were they doing with this guy at this point? Um, <clears throat> so I was saving this for the Austin Dustin match. Okay. Because of of the finish of that, but it, it if you ask the question, I'll, I'll just sure, yeah. bring it up now. So you know how we talk about WWF has like no heels, right? Yes. Well, WCW has a really good crop of heels, but there's only like five of them. Yeah, yeah. So you have, and these are in no particular order. I don't want anybody listening to get mad at me because I put your favorite last. It's not in order. But you have Vader, Sid, Orndorff, Austin, and Regal. Is that your top five? Uh, Rude's got to be in there. Oh, I'm sorry. And Rick Rude. Yes, and Rick Rude. So you have six, basically. Yeah. Like, that's your your six heels. On the babyface side... You have Bulldog, Cactus, Dustin, Sting, Flair. I mean, I, does Ron Simmons still work here? Nothing matters. <laughs> no, no. I mean, yes, he does, but it doesn't matter. You have Ricky Steamboat. And okay. and I mean, we know what's about to happen with Austin and Pillman, but you're turning Pillman sure. babyface too, sure. basically, right? So now we basically had a nice six on each side right there. Yeah, but unfortunately, with bringing Cactus back and turning him face, and, you know, you bring Sid in, he's a heel, so you even that out a little bit, but you still have Steamboat here, and you have the rise of Orndorff, which we keep talking about, because, I mean, he's here. And there's just, in my opinion, there's too many baby faces to go around, because you brought it up. Regal's lower on the card than everybody else I just mentioned. Yes, yes. So the point that I'm getting at is at some point, you're going to get into a situation like that because you have too many baby faces and not enough heels to counteract them. As opposed to the WF side, where you only have like three and they're not great outside of, you know, Yoko, you have a bunch of strong heels. You just have too many baby faces to match them up against. Yeah, well, well put, well said. We should do another one of those trade scenarios sometime soon because this this warrants, you know, WCW has a plethora of both. WCW is, or excuse me, WWF is really, really lacking in many areas. So we want to go down that road again to see what what how we can even some of this out. Who would you, okay, of the names we just mentioned <clears throat> from the heel side? Who would you move over to help WWF right now? Um, I think there's an obvious answer, but it is. What is it is. Austin? Oh no, no, it's it's okay. Uh, I would I would consider Rude to go back. Oh, that wasn't my answer. Yeah, I, I would consider Rude to go back. Maybe because it's easier for me to visualize him in that company and know how they'd use him. Um. Rude makes more sense than mine because yeah, tell me who you, yours is. 
Well, with Yoko, mine's kind of redundant. Okay. Um, I was going to say Sid is the obvious choice. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I'm fine with that, too. You know me. I'll, I'll follow Sid anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but but now that you say that, I think I think you're right, though. Because Rude would be a good opponent for, like, Razor. Yeah, yeah. He or even... Um, uh, Luger, Luger, like that, that works. It would have been Something fun to like see him thing. and it would have been fun to see rude and Brett too. Yeah, that's, that's a good, I'm not one. sure we ever got that. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to elaborate on that a little bit down the road. Um, yeah, there's not much else to really say about this one. I, I noticed the crowd really quiets down this one during this one rather, but that's not terribly surprising. They do pick it up in the last minute or so, which is, you know, the point of the match, like the, the way it's, you know, put together. Um, this was technically good, but slow time limit draw finish again, not surprising to me at all. Um, all right, so it's time for the uh, wheel spinning. Cactus Jack comes out for this. This is how Wade describes it. The wheel was propelled unnaturally from the rear two or three spaces past its natural resting place, which would have been either a lumberjack, cage, or prince of darkness match. I wonder what that would have been. Uh, it landed on a Texas death match. So that's what match we are having tonight in tonight's main event. Um what do you think? Well, I said Cactus spun it. It was actually Vader who spun it. So, um, what are your what anything any call outs on this one? Yeah, how do they decide who spins the wheel? Okay, that was my question too. Because Sting spun it last year. Yeah, and which makes was, sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. I think that I feel like. We didn't talk about this, and I'm okay with the spin the wheel, make the deal. I'm, I'm okay with it. I feel like this one was just a carryover from last year versus last year, even though we hated the pay-per-view, and rightfully so. I mean, I, I will say about that stipulation or the whole gimmick of the wheel, it does kind of play into a Jake the Snake manipulative type approach. The Vader Cactus thing, if like if Cactus was the heel, maybe... It would make sense, but I don't know. It's just it's kind of like, oh, we have this gimmick. We used it last year. It's a year later. Let's use it again. It just doesn't seem to. To to have much, you know, of a story behind it anymore. So they could have explained this really easily. So last year. Jake was playing like psychological games with Sting, so Sting had to spin the wheel to choose his fate kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Yep. Makes perfect sense. This year, they could have written it off by saying Cactus doesn't care what kind of match he's in. He just wants to get his hands on Vader. So Vader gets the cho the ability to spin the wheel. It could now, be it, yeah. They could have explained that very easily. Like, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, you're right. They could have. Um, I'll even go just a little bit different than you and actually say, even though Cactus is the face, I could see him being the one to say, um using the same manipulative nature that Jake did as a heel, but you know, cactus is just as like dastardly as a face using your oh, same yeah, logic. Absolutely. I don't care what match I'm in with you, but you know, I want to punish you and here are my options. Like, you know, to some, something along those lines, no, you that can works. Get the face cactus doing that. I think the, the only other question I have before I get into my notes on this is, yeah. Who broke into Jake's bar to get the wheel? 
<laughs> Maybe Medusa slipped somebody the key because she left the company. Oh, that makes more sense. Because she was the one that wasn't she the one at the door? Yeah, you just have to go like early in the morning because they're all drunk and passed out. Right? <laughs> yeah, <good>. exactly. <laughs> so I have basically, like I said, we talked about who spun the wheel. Other than that, <clears throat> I would like to point out the choices on the wheel itself are much better this year. Uh, there was some dumb ones last year. I did get a kick out of the fact that it said lumberjacks slash whips. <laughs> what I, the hell? Yeah, I was like, um, who has the whips? The lumberjacks <laughs> or strap? I think it was straps. Maybe. Strap, yeah. One or the other. Anyway, <clears throat> the only other thing is they did it again. They made the same mistake they did last year where the match gets picked and they immediately can't tell you what it is. Yeah, I noticed that. And they did the same thing last year. Yeah. And what's funny is they doubled down on the stupidity of the whole situation because like 20 minutes after this, they they hyped the match or promoted or whatever. And Shivani says that their rules experts or something along those lines are uh, researching and trying to find out what the rules are for this match. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, who's the yeah. idiot that didn't just give them a piece of paper? Right. Like, right. like they should have shown it off. Shivani should have said, these are the 10 matches on the, yes. the poll. Yes. I have the stipulations for each one. As soon as one gets picked, I'll tell you fans what to expect. Like, what does that take? 12 seconds? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the could have said gibberish. Like, it didn't ha- like, it, I don't know. It was just, I'm so frustrated that, that not only did they do it, but they did it again. They did like, it how again. Did you make that mistake two years in a row. Well said. And yeah, I'm looking back at it now. So the other thing that throws me off every single time I watch it, the actual like the the pointer, like wh- whatever it falls on, I keep thinking it's the V of the havoc sign because the V points directly down <laughs> to the wheel, but it's not. It's over to the right. It's like this like fake dagger, like sword slash dagger. That's what the option is like that's where it it it, it you know lands on so dumb. It, it's, it's unbelievable thanks for downloading today's show take it to the next level with a vip membership get shows like this the weight killer processing podcast weight killer processing post show and the pw torch daily casts on our pw torch vip podcast feed with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also hear the VIP exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and The Fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits, all the bonus content, and the ad-free listening experience. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. Um... Okay, I guess we'll move on to the next match. Dustin Rhodes over stunning Steve Austin to retain the U.S. title at 14 minutes and 24 seconds. This one got a uh, two and three quarters. So we're inching a little bit higher to, a, you know, more and more to a higher rating here. 
What are your thoughts? First of all, really good pop for Dustin when he came out. Yes. I don't know why they haven't run with that a little bit. Like people were into him in the this time period. Um Jesse Ventura called Austin the wrestler of the 90s. Uh he has no idea how prophetic that statement is. <laughs> Um, the match is good, but the, the finish is trash. And it basically, I'm going to do my best to explain this. So Austin pins Dustin and Dustin has his foot either on the rope or under the rope, but the referee doesn't stop the count. He counts to three all the way. Austin gets up because obviously he won like, duh. And then all of a sudden, the referee decides he didn't win because Dustin had his foot on the rope, but the referee counted to three. So Austin did win. And I don't know if WCW's done this recently, but how many times have you seen this finish where the guy that won won and they like harp on the crappy officiating after the fact? Like, how many times have you seen that? Like 40? Oh, yeah. All, always, it seems. So it just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Austin starts arguing with the ref because he won. And then Dustin, who's the babyface, I, I feel the need to, to point out that Dustin is the babyface and Austin is the heel. Dustin rolls Austin up and then the referee just drops down and counts like nothing happened. And Dustin wins because of that. Like, so... Did somebody forget to tell everybody something happened here? Clearly, because the, the thing that I'm noticing, too, I noticed it there. I'm watching it back as you're talking because I, I wanted to get this right. After Austin is told he doesn't win, even though he got the three count with his foot on the rope, he inexplicably goes over to like Shivani and Ventura's table and looks like he's trying to pick up something. But he must realize, I think he was looking for the belt. It wasn't over there. So he plays dumb, realizes it's not there, then like raises his hands away from Dustin in like, I don't know why he was like, you know, cheering himself on randomly. And then Dustin rolls him up, like you said, and it wasn't even a three count. I don't even think it was three. Because Austin's like not even down on the mat for three. He gets out of it. You're right. I forgot. I forgot about the belt. It's, part. it's very rare. And then he gets the belt. Yeah. Then he gets the belt and hits Dustin after he loses. It's just such a really sloppy ending. So while this one is actually a quote unquote clean finish, it's just a mess because I think something happens at the end here. They just miscommunication, sloppy ending. I don't know what happened. Um, it's just not good. Yeah, the whole it's just it's confusing for no reason. Yeah, and it again, they just. I, my biggest problem with this whole thing is it accomplished nothing. And this is what I wanted mm -hmm. to talk about before mm -hmm. with with the heel face thing like. Austin is moving on to something else. It's already taped. It's already done. They're, they're not doing this again. So you have two choices because you've already made that decision. 
so the the first the the first choice you have is Dustin just beats him. Sure. She, because everybody's moving on anyway, and Austin's going to feud with his old tag team partner, so who cares? Like, it, it doesn't matter. You're not moving Austin down because he sure. lost to Dustin. He's moving on to Pillman, and maybe he'll go back after after Dustin after the fact or right. whatever. The other part of this is Austin just beats him and then feuds with Pillman over the U.S. title. Those are your two <laughs> choices. Make yeah. one. Yeah, they're they're unable to. They the, can't even get that right. The, and these the are rep- both these are both young guys that you can't screw up at this stage. That, exactly, and that's what I mean. There's just there's no you're not protecting anybody from anything because mm-hmm. there's they're both going in opposite directions. But back to the to what I mentioned before is we have a clear path for Austin. And and this is why I I lean more towards Dustin should have just beat him, but like what I don't know what the hell Dustin does after this because you can't do rude for the four hundredth time we we've all seen that that's over and done with so that's out and what what I mean what does he do Sid I guess. I guess, but the the reports are Sid is moving up to the world title. That's what I mean. So, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe you do um, Orndorff, Regal, although Regal's a champ, too, so. Yeah, that would be, Regal would be the obvious answer, but you can't. Yeah, but you can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's it's an odd situation, and it's a shame because, like, you started off by saying with your match review, the crowd really likes Dustin. He's organically over. I think if this was a territory back in the you know seventies, eighties, Dustin would have been a top guy. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, easily, he for sure would have been. But you're leaving out that their talent pool would have been significantly shorter. True. Yeah, they would have had like. 20 guys under contract because it's a territory. Right, right. Um, I have a question for you. A, a one or two popped in my head during this this match, and it wasn't the match's fault, but I think I was just getting like tired of the show as far as the outcomes in the show, at least. Um, extremely random, but what do you think of the WCW ring rope color scheme? That they're all different colors. It always bothered me. It's like, yes, it's just very random. It doesn't. I almost feel like even it's the it's the different color thing, too. But it's even like the way the colors are. Tiered doesn't even make sense. They should have just been yellow. Yeah, make them all yellow. Is fine or all blue is fine or all black is fine, but they have all three of them. No, they can't. They can't be blue because the the ring is blue. There's not enough contrast. Oh, I thought you're gonna say because SmackDowns is blue. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> no, they have to be. It, to me, the simple answer is the the turnbuckle pads are black, the ropes are yellow, and the ring is blue, and that's the I'm answer. Fine with that. Yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with that. I just don't understand. Yeah, this this looks like a kid colored the ropes. Oh, know? I know. Couldn't decide what color he wanted them to be. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, that's where my mind was watching this, and it had nothing to do with the in-ring work. I just think this this match, this was a terrible. This was this might have been my least, my most hated finish, is how I'd say it. Oh, it's probably the worst one. Yeah, you know. Did you see that Austin? That nasty bump he took over the ropes at one point. Um, he took a super nasty bump. He missed a running knee in the corner and just flipped right onto the mat. Or excuse me, onto the floor. I have yeah, it here. Like this is like you'd never see him do this a few years later. Like he just physically couldn't, but still. Well, yeah, and he also got significantly smarter. Yes. Yeah. Like uh, I, <clears throat> people crap on it all the time. But if you want the definition of only doing stuff that you have to while still being a good worker, uh, Steve yeah. Austin is, is the person. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't take any unnecessary risks, but remain a top level like that's yeah. it's, it's that's the way to do Hogan. it. Yeah. It's not the Hogan formula of just give them what they want and do as little as possible. It's do stuff I know I can do and don't hurt me, please. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think this is the first match where Wade used the, uses the phrase or a version of the phrase not satisfying to describe the finish because pretty much from here on out, he uses unsatisfying, not satisfying. Like this is like just a, he probably just had it copy paste um at the point well i don't know if copy paste was a thing back then but (laughs) whatever version he was using to do that um moving on to the tag title match another title match if that's another another actually kind of a cool thing this pay-per-view does do we didn't really talk about it is you know maybe we alluded to it with michael buffer being the um, announcer for all these matches but these are all title matches which is interesting so we had the Nasty Boys, again, managed by Missy Hyatt over two Colt Scorpio and Marcus Bagwell, managed by Teddy Long. Uh, Sags pinned Scorpio here again. Why you, he's the one guy I wouldn't have pinned here, but whatever. This went just over 14 minutes. This, just for context, the Nasty Boys lost the tag titles the night before, or at least it aired the night before on Saturday night. So this is a one-day title reign by Scorpio and Bagwell where the Nasty Boys regain the titles here. Uh, Wade really does like this match. gives it a three and a half, so I think this is the highest rated so far. Again, notes a very unsatisfying finish uh, due to some shenanigans on the part of the Nasty Boys. So any thoughts on this one? Um, <clears throat> you brought up the recap before the match. I really, really, really liked that. Yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite things on this show. And it made it feel like if you didn't watch Saturday night last night, you missed something and you need to be watching this show because stuff happens. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Um, So I did enjoy that part of it. Uh, The gear for Scorpio and Bagwell, they wear like black and orange. Super cool. Yep. I had that note too. Um, It's, it's a solid match. Like it's, it's fine. The difference in their styles like really helped it out. I and I think that's probably a good portion of why Wade gave it the three stars that it did. With with the exception of like Bulldog and Regal, who actually like tried to work one style, this match seemed like they they embraced the fact that they were so different. If that makes any sense. 
instead uh, that of, makes sense yeah. in, instead of trying to do one thing um and and it worked for the the situation i i had one major problem with this though and i i get what they're going for but i just don't give a shit about buff bagwell so the fact that he's the one getting beat down the whole time and i have to wait for him to tag scorpio mm. I just don't feel any sympathy for the guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. Like, I just don't care. Yeah. And and it's like half the match. Like, he's the one getting beat down. And it's just like, I think you guys got this wrong. Like, and I, again, I get what they're going for. I totally get it. But I just feel like it's backwards. No, I, I, that makes sense. I mean, my opinion, I would just play a little devil's advocate. I, I agree with you, but also say, like, Scorpio is the flashier wrestler, so if he's going to get the hot tag, he can come in with some moves that are going to get the crowd to pop. Oh, I, but I, but that's the problem. Yeah, is then the other guy needs to be somebody we actually care about. Yes, 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 yes. I see. Okay, <laughs> I, I, fair, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Again, <laughs> you're right, but yeah. what you're saying exacerbates the problem. <laughs> I will say I like I really like the Nasty Boys in WCW before their WWF run and then here. I just think they work so much better. They look exactly the same. They haven't changed anything there. I just feel they fit better. They just come off as like grimier guys that would fight in a back alley. It just felt like the WWF. They were just so like everyone back then, you know, cartoonish. But they, yeah, come off, they come off here as just like, no pun intended, just nasty dudes. So yeah, I, I don't know. That was one of the call outs I had. I liked I don't think this Missy Hyatt thing, I, I initially thought it worked pretty well. I don't know. It's not it, it's useless at this point. There's no need for her here. No, I hate it. It feels it feels like they're desperate to have something for her to do and justify paying her. But yeah. it's not necessary. Are you a nostalgic wrestling fan? Do you want to hear about shows you haven't seen in 10, 20, maybe even 30 years? Well, I have the show for you. I'm PWTorch.com contributor Frank Bediani, and since December of 2020, I've hosted Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Together with a rotating chair of co-hosts, we go back and review old shows from top to bottom, talk about where the wrestlers were at the time, and compare what's taking place now to what took place then. You can hear this, along with other shows, as part of your PWTorch VIP membership with exclusive podcasts just for members compatible with the Apple Podcast app. Visit pwtorch.com slash go VIP for details and sign up for them. So correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like every Nasty Boys match ends ridiculously similarly. Hmm. And didn't they win the last time on pay-per-view with him coming off the top rope with something and hitting somebody in the back of the head? Or was it just his knee? Either way. Probably. Um, we also have WrestleMania 7. Which That's right. Basically yes. the same way. That's true. And then this with the shoe. Yeah. Um, again, it was super predictable. Like, nobody thought that Bagwell and Scorpio were winning the titles or keeping the titles. Like nobody thought that, but 
it's fine for what it is. It's fine for what it is. I know Wade, he, he again says unsatisfying ending. To me, this was an example of in the moment of 93. I agree. I can see that being the case. But looking back, you know, in 30 years later, it's just more of a, a good match. It's just a fun match. They do. I mean, the last few minutes of the match, people are going crazy. Like, this is one of the first times all night that the crowd is completely going nuts here. So they did their job in that regard. So this was something I think this is one of the points I wanted to make at some point. So I'll make it here. It's just that certain of certain outcomes in this in this pay-per-view clearly would annoy a 1993 viewer. But looking back at it now, I mean, I'm not invested in, you know, this product that it would be if it was aired live, you know, so it doesn't oh, bother me time? as much. Yeah. yeah, it's just different. But I get it. Um, so this wasn't that bad. This wasn't that bad. And, and again, the match itself, I mean, the, the ending that is the match itself was, was good. It was enjoyable. No, a bit, a big part of the problem that like permeates this card mm-hmm. is WCW put a really good card on paper and then didn't pay anything off on the card. Right. So exactly. even though this is probably not true, it comes off as if they said, and eh, we got your money. F you. Hmm, yeah. Like you, and I can, paid. I, I understand that reaction. Like, that's not a good thing at all. Um, uh, the other thing, the last comment here, it's interesting. Nasty boys pretty much just got back here and they're already two time champs. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, moving on. This is like the dream match. Something we were uh, hyping up last week. Not surprisingly, only got a star and a half. But Sting defeats Sid, managed by Colonel Robert Parker, at 10 minutes and 39 seconds when Parker's interference backfired. Um, Yeah, your thoughts on this one? Are we ignoring the uh, Sid promo that was interrupted by a Peacock commercial for some reason? Oh, I'm glad I didn't note that. But yes, uh, I noticed the same thing. It's like a commercial before it. They break in with the promo. And they break the like they just yeah, they just ruin the promo by cutting away. So dumb. How dare they. If I actually paid for Peacock instead of getting it for free through uh, Comcast, I would complain. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> um, on to the actual match, I, I loved this. I. Absolutely loved this. Okay, uh, real quick, I I loved it too. I'm glad you said it, but this is awesome. This, this is, is exactly what you would want with this match. Yes, exa- yes. So fun. And so we talked earlier about like what should have started the show in 1993, probably Regal and Bulldog. Mm-hmm. In 2023, it's this. Okay, yeah, I I dig that. Like without a doubt. This is so anybody who didn't watch the show along with us. Uh, if anybody's seen like a Brock Lesnar match or a Bobby Lashley match or actually their matches against each other. Uh, that's kind of what this is. Mm-hmm. The that like weird new style where it's super fast paced and there's a bunch of big moves and then it's just kind of over out of yes. nowhere. Yeah. That's what this is. And because of the two people involved, it works fantastically well. Um, 
But not see, only that, they go into the crowd, which is so rare. I mean, you see it, it's funny because you see it in the main event too. But that's a that's a Texas death match, so like it's not that shocking. But this is just a one on one match. They go right into the crowd. Yeah. And it comes off like they don't like each other. Yeah. Yeah. And there's um there's a note by the announcers before the match, and I don't know if Buffer says something too, but they say that that Sting is the like the franchise player of WCW. Right, right. And he, he wants to prove that he's the franchise player. And then they chime in with the fact that Sid is like, uh, no. Like, I work here, mm-hmm. too, and there's mm-hmm. no bigger star in this company than me. Mm-hmm. And the match feels like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> before the match starts, there's a crazy Sting fan in the front row, like dressed <laughs> as Sting with the haircut and everything. And he, like, yells, I love you, Sting. Um <laughs> If the fan was slightly younger, I would have asked you if it was Darby Allen, but he's younger <laughs> than both of us, so it can't be. That would be awesome. Wouldn't that be a great turnaround? Yeah. yeah. I should I should mention, by the way, this guy is what? Like 25? Oh, he's not young. <laughs> he's like a man. He's a man. <laughs> he's, oh, yes. he's not a yeah. child. <laughs> no, he is. He is an adult. Yes. Like he can buy beer kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, another good sting gear with the the lime green, but totally, totally, yeah. I just thought like this was so well laid out, and it's another crap finish. Basically, what happens? It is. It is. Um, Robert Parker is trying to interfere on Sid's behalf, but he grabs Sid's leg instead, and. Sid flips out and goes after Robert Parker kind of and argues with him and then Sting rolls him up and wins. With that said, though, I'm kind of okay with it. Um, It's worse because there were so many bad finishes before this. If this was isolated, it's not that bad. And, And here's why. So you have this big monster, this big unstoppable monster in Sid. And for the most part, with the exception of like Sting's flurries, Sid beats him up. Like you, you come out of this thinking if they fought and Sid didn't get distracted, he probably wins. Yes. Yes. And, and that's what you should think because he's like six inches taller than the guy. And I mean, it is what it is, but chiseled out of granite. (laughs) Yes. Like, Yes. The eye test tells you this guy's going to beat up the other guy. And then you see the match and that's kind of what happens. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, with that said, though, Sting is like the fiery baby face and goes after said big monster. But said big monster is such an angry monster that he gets distracted by his stupid manager because he's stupid. And because monster is so angry he takes his eye off the ball and slightly smarter fiery babyface beats him because of it. It leaves you a backdoor to do something later and we'll see where things go from here. Again, in an isolated incident, this finish is actually not that bad. Yeah. Unfortunately, when it's the sixth or seventh one on the show, exactly. It sucks in a vacuum. It's fine, but yeah, it's, it's one of one of the, one of the many issues with the, with the booking here. 
Um, one of the things I do like about the ending there with Sid popping up and just like patting Parker on the back, like, Hey dude, it's me. You're, you're holding my foot right now. Can you get off? Yep. Uh, also love the one handed choke slam. That Sid always does. Just so dominant looking. Um, I'm pretty sure you covered everything else though. Well put. This is just beautiful. I think it's my favorite match. I'll just say it now. Favorite match of the night. Just so fun. Um, yeah, again, you know, not surprisingly, totally understandable. Wade's not into the ending, but again, I think it's to your point. In and of itself, it's fine. In in the many other endings, it's it, there's an issue here. But otherwise, well booked. And this is kind of a sign of, you know, maybe a break between Parker and Sid here. We'll see what, what happens from there. Which I'm not sure. I, I don't want... I don't. I said this from the start when Sid re-debuted here. Parker shouldn't have been anywhere near him. And based on the pop Sid got at the time, he should have been a face. But I like him as a heel better. That all said, I don't think Parker... I don't think him splitting from Parker should turn Sid face. I don't so. <clears throat> see. And I, I, I typically do not like tweeners, mm-hmm. but I think mm-hmm. Sid should just be a loose cannon. Yeah. I don't yeah. think he should have any friends. There's a time and a place for people that can fit that mold. And he certainly does. Yeah. Because he's like beyond I said, it. I think. Yeah. I just don't think he should have any allies at all. Here's a random thought that when I was listening to you describe the match earlier on, wouldn't wouldn't this have been a great match layout for Sid and Hogan at WrestleMania eight? Or oh. even just put Sting in that, too. Like, if, I'm, let me. My point is, if this match was WrestleMania eight main event, that would have been so much better than what you got. Well, yeah, but you're asking Hogan to try. I know. I think it's more the style of the match, maybe, is the point. Like you were saying with like the, the the newer like large bursts of energy back and forth and then the match is over. So are you saying that Sid against Hogan should have just been a repeat of Warrior and Hogan? Because yes, that's exactly what they should have done. Yeah. Would have been great. And again, this was just over ten minutes, I think it was. Yeah, it was ten ten forty, so just under eleven really. Which is what it should have been. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the first of two world title matches, Rick Rude defeated uh, defeats Rick Flair by DQ at 1915. When Flair was DQ'd for using brass knuckles, originally brought to the ring by Rick Rude. This one got a three stars. Three stars from Wade. Uh, the match description says it all. Another DQ here in the world title match. Just getting very tired quickly here. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? I don't know if if you're going to agree with me or not, but why is this on the show? Yeah, explain, explain what you mean. So nothing changed. Like, Fifi's still with Flair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Flair got DQ'd. Rude is still champion. They want to put the title on Flair, and I assume they do that relatively soon, based on what I know. Yeah, yeah, it's not terribly far off. So, why did you... Why bother? 
like, why not just do this match to main event the clash? Yeah, push it off a little bit. And put the title on Flair there. Why do we need a third one? I don't know. This is like uh, this is another way to say what you're saying or another thing to add to what you're saying. This is like the same exact match we just saw. That's what I mean. Pretty it's much no purpose. Yeah, exactly. I thought this one was a little better than the last one. I, I, I liked it a little better. It didn't feel as slow. But again, a really crappy outcome. And, and you're right. Like, why are we doing it here? That's the other thing, too. Like, maybe they could have. With the fact that they have more pay-per-views, one thing we haven't talked about is they have more pay-per-views in the WWF. They all have they have more world titles in the WWF, which is just odd. Um, why didn't they stagger those world titles for different shows instead of throwing them all in one show? That's what I mean. No. It's like you you have an easy clash main event. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It, it just it doesn't make any sense to just not do it there. Like it. It just feels like a waste of time. Like if you're not going to do a finish, if you're going to put the title on flair here or have something happen. Like I said, like the Fifi turn or. or right. Or, right. And I still don't know if that happens, by the way. I'm just kind of hoping for it. I don't think it does. But I'm like sure it doesn't. If nothing's going to happen, it just doesn't need to be here. It's just I've I've said this before because there's a bunch of stuff on this show that feels like this, but it's just it's a it's redundant. It's a it's a redo of the match we just got and it's slightly better. It is slightly better, yeah. But like other than that, why is it here? Yeah, I I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. It's a great point. It's a great point. I mean, you know, Put him. Yeah, I don't know what you do. I mean, you have to put him on the card. I, know I wouldn't want to go with pay per view that like Flair or Rude, but put him in a tag match or something. The opposite side. Yeah. What's you know? What's wrong with Flair and I don't know Flair and Arn against Rude and Orndorff first. I, I mean, Orndorff's on the show, but like, no, yeah, that's know. fair. I mean, that's totally fine. Or even it'd be kind of cool to see Flair and Steamboat. You know, if you're going to pair the two matches that you're, you know, combining into one. Yeah, that's fine. Flair and Steamboat would have been cool. That would have been a great pay-per-view um, attraction, you know. But yeah, a great point. Great point. I I like that. And you can even I wouldn't know if you would start the pay-per-view with that, but wouldn't be a terrible idea. Um. Any other thoughts on that one? No, I just I, again, I just don't see I, I just I can't I can't articulate anything other than the fact that like why? Yeah, agreed. Another why is, you know, we talked about this before, but this is this is the match. Terry Taylor is a special ref for. So whatever the reason that was, it didn't mean anything. It didn't bring anything to the table. Um, I have a note here. I don't know what you think of Randy Orton, but in my opinion, he's extremely boring. And Randy Rick Rude. Orton. Yes, there you go. I was thinking of Rick Rude here, too, as far as him being a Randy Orton 1.0. Does that even make sense? But he's a he's a boring worker. You remember you remember what I said before about Austin having like the don't hurt me. Mm. 
but I make it entertaining. <laughs> yep. R- Randy Orton and Rick Rude are the don't hurt me, and I don't care if this is entertaining. I just right? hurt. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. Uh, by the way, did you notice the ring attendant nearly screwed up the finish of this match? <laughs> no. Uh, Rude brings in the Nux, as Wade said earlier. Drops it on the on the mat, and I guess the ring attendant assumed, oh, there's you know debris in there. I better get it out. So he gets it out and brings it over to the corner right before Ric Flair's about to like pick it up and use it for the finish. He's like, How did you not realize what have you ever picked up brass knucks? They're heavy. How did you now realize what it was? <laughs> well, actually, they're called brass knucks here, but if you look at it, it's like, you know, the phony taped up. It's just like a oh, yeah. or something, whatever they did. Yeah. God. So it's just I just noticed like, oh, that guy was not supposed to do that. That's funny. Uh, but this this one, I mean, this one, you're right on as far as like, why is this match even happening here? That said, this is just too much. I think this one and the Austin Dustin one were the worst, you know, the most egregious of all of the poor finishes. Because there's no well, the Austin Dustin one, there's just. There was no reason to do that. There wasn't a reason. And and it was sloppy, too. Like, it was a pin, but it was just a sloppy, weird finish. Like, somebody screwed up something or they just, I don't know. It wasn't as smooth, a smooth ending. No. You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show, and it'll also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at pwtorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, pwtorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. Speaking of not smooth endings, we are here at the main event. I got to tell you, well, first I'll give you some context. Big Van Vader managed by Harley Race over Cactus Jack in a Texas death match. Vader wins at 16 minutes. Um, this actually got four stars. Four stars from Wade is a very high compliment. Um, he calls it a brutally satisfying match, but an unsatisfying ending. I got to tell you, I watched this a go over again. I've seen it many times. I was just, I don't know if I've seen it a lot now. I just was less impressed with it this time around. I don't know why. Um, then I liked it more than you did. Yeah. But what I liked about it, can't believe I'm saying this because normally I don't, I don't like this kind of stuff, but I did like the violence of it because there wasn't anything else like that on this show. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, and as far as as Cactus and Vader and the matches they have with each other, this has got to be near the top. I don't know if it's necessarily the best one, but it's definitely in that category of being one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
and again, totally different than everything else on the show. But the the problem is the finish is just super anticlimactic. Oh, it, it's terrible. And the only positive I'll say about it, like race hits uh, cactus with a taser and keeps him down. Can I read the description real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. At 11 minutes, 12 seconds, race pulled out a taser, which he showed off to the camera at 12 minutes. Vader moonsault, uh, moon Jack a few minutes later, Vader DDT Jack onto a chair and race zapped Jack causing Jack to remain down for a 10 count and thus suffer the loss. And real quick for some context, the rules of the match, which are also just incredibly obnoxious. You have to pin your opponent which doesn't count as the win but it counts it triggers off a 30 minute rest period so if 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 uh, vader pins cactus jack 30 minutes go by and then the ref starts to count to 10 and if you know jack does not get up in that 10 minute 10 seconds rather that's how it ends so go ahead sorry i just wanted to give that context a 30 second rest. If it was a 30 minute rest, this show would have been. Did I good. say minute? Oh, sorry. In a 30 <laughs> second rest and then a 10 second count. Yeah. I apologize. Um, <laughs> we're giving you a hard time. Anyway. I know. But, I know. <laughs> but so the I'm trying to think of how I want to put this. I think we've talked about last man standing matches on the show and how I think generally they suck. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, like, there's only so many ways you can have an ending for those types of matches. Yeah, like for every 10 last man standing matches, like two of them are good. Like just in general, I'm not saying they're all bad, but generally speaking, they, they suck. And it's because they're slow and you do this like sitting around waiting on people to get up. thing. Right, right. This and, is, and, and this this is a great example. 40 seconds, uh, you know, added to every part of the match when someone gets pinned. Exactly. And that's that's kind of my point bringing up the last man standing thing. Mm-hmm. This is last man standing plus added stupid nonsense. <laughs> right. Like it, it's just dumb. But the only thing I liked about the finish and it's the same what I brought up earlier with um the assassin thing, which goes back to my earlier comment about the assassin and Harley Race being completely redundant. We don't need yeah. both. Yeah is they showed race with the taser a couple of times. So you at least knew it existed and it didn't come out of nowhere. So I give them credit for that. But otherwise, yeah, this whole thing sucks. It's stupid. It's bad. Like the match is really good, but the, it's just dumb. And I, it, speaking of like trivia and things like that, anybody who thought the first time they use a taser was Goldberg and Nash, I got some news for you. <laughs> So I think I'm going to get this mostly right, but I will um, again reference the recent podcast that Foley did on this show, on this match. He says in that podcast, I'm paraphrasing, that he went into this thinking he was going to end his career this night and was just going to like get injured and like do whatever he needed to do because he was just thinking he was just going to cash in the Lloyds of London. So like his mentality for this was to just end his career this night. And yeah, I'm, I remember that from the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't remember it from the book. 
So I was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Um, pretty sure it was the spot where Vader just like flatlines him on the uh, on the ramp. Where yeah, Jack is exactly. on his back and he just sits, you know, falls back on him. Um, yeah, I said this up front. I'm I, I, I'm not I'm not going to say this match stinks at all. It does not stink. I just I just personally didn't feel much for it this time around. And I know I noticed the the crowd was kind of oddly silent, too. Um, and I I, I want to say they were either just tired from the night or they didn't know how to react to this match. Because, again, this types this type of match and, you know, this brutality didn't happen a lot at all in this era of wrestling, maybe in the eighties and seventies, et cetera. But like early nineties, just wasn't a thing in, in America. So maybe that, that kind of took me out of it a little bit as well. Other random comment, actually my first note here, did you notice cactus was billed at 303 pounds, which wasn't that Hogan's like weight when he was on top. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's yeah. like, Oh, all right, cool. <laughs> They carry it much differently. Um, yeah, they certainly do. Well said. I have to tell you the one thing I really liked about this, which was so WWE slash F, was when they fought into the grave. And then the production actually gets a really great shot of Vader like coming out of the grave. And there's a great visual where it's like shot straight on. You see his face and behind him is a tombstone that says Vader on it. I was like, wow, WCW actually did something well production wise. It's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I noticed that, too, with the Vader in the background. Yeah. Uh, Other comment here. Going back to the weird scenario and just the stipulation. You're telling me Cactus Jack literally pins Vader multiple times in this match. Doesn't count, of course, for a win. But by doing so, he doesn't get a title shot at all anytime soon you can't come out tomorrow and say i just pinned you five times i deserve a title shot like that's not a thing huh yeah super dumb really stupid and we already talked about this but the ending is so awkward and stupid um it's just so um uh what's the word i'm looking for it, it just comes off so staged really uh, oh it's yeah, obvious sure. so it, sure. it's just it just falls flat which is a shame because the brutality of the match, you know, is completely opposite of that. So, again, this is historically significant. And again, I don't know if I was just off that night when I watched it. But uh, again, the ending is just maybe ruins it more than anything. So that is the show. That is the end of the Havoc 93 we started this episode saying we liked it better than last year. Let's talk about the reviews from the fans and the columnists uh, reviews from the fans. Average 5.8. The best match, according to fans, was Vader and Cactus at 73 percent. And the worst, not surprisingly, was the six man opener at 95 percent. According to the PW Torch columnist, Bruce Mitchell gave it a 6.0. Chris Savisa, 6.5. Mark Madden, I couldn't find a rating. He has a little write-up of it, but I don't know if the rating's hidden somewhere in there, but I didn't see anything. Uh, Carly Gill gave it a 6.0, and Wade actually gave it a 5.0, so he came in the lowest out of the ones noted here. Uh, Alex, what would you rate Halloween Havoc 1993? 
just just because like if they had gone with like the time limit draw and the nasties finish and then the sting sid finish and everything else was clean i would probably go with like a seven yeah but because they didn't do that and and to me that's giving them a lot of leeway um i i'll go with a five yeah i'll go with a five I'm going to give him a little bit more because, again, I go back to. I I know we do our best to watch this in the moment, but for me, I wasn't as offended by. The volume of awful endings. Uh, there were certain ones that really bothered me. This one, this main event, the Austin one we talked about, like those two stand out. Um. I'll give it a five. I'll give it a six. Actually, I'm going to go a little bit higher than you. I'm going to give it a six because I did like the quality of the show. I thought they had good matches on paper. They did a pretty good job there. Nothing was embarrassing. In my opinion, it was just more annoying. I agree with the annoying part. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Let's finish up with below the bottom line from Wade. It's about the havoc show we just talked about he calls havoc 93 quote night of the screwed and says three groups fall into this category first off fans for fans wade says they will be fine because they will get up the next day and move on with their lives they may even spend their money elsewhere so those that are annoyed yeah they'll just do something else the second group pro wrestlers for the wrestlers uh, they can't do this however wade says they they get saddled with a poor booker ruining their career careers excuse me even dusty's job is not based on similar factors that the wrestlers jobs are according to wade like paying fans wade suggests that just because this all happened in wcw fans may not see it as just a wcw problem they may end up moving on from wrestling altogether the third category is the business itself wade said the business wade says the business also suffers Aside for Dusty, of course, really, really hard on Dusty here. Uh, Rather than increasing fans on a Sunday night, the poor booking could drive fans away from all wrestling promotions. Wade brings up the All Japan promotion as the best promotion in the world right now and how it never has screwed job finishes. Wade says Dusty's days as an effective booker are past. And then the only reason Dusty still has his role is due to the ability to quote rationalize or basically BS reasons why he books how he does. Wade says Dusty's able to do this with his charisma as well as sell it to the non wrestling executives like Bischoff, Shaw and do uh, those three don't allow any outside opinions. According to Wade, he also gives an example of any wrestlers going over Dusty's head would be seen as them being selfish not them looking out for the company. Wade says there's no reasonable argument for the way Havoc was booked, and he ends by saying Dusty will inevitably lose his job either when WCW dies or the execs decide to make a change, whichever comes first. So that, Alex, is the below the bottom line. Anything, any reaction to that? Anything I missed? Anything you want to call out there? So... I mean, Wade's dead on. The only thing is, I don't know if it'll necessarily drive 
everybody away from watching like all wrestling. But again, the biggest problem with this show is that WCW went out of their way to put a good card on paper and get you to order it. And then once you ordered it, they basically said, we know you paid for this, but we don't really care because you already Hmm. paid for it. So we already have your money. So here's a bunch of stuff that doesn't solve anything. Uh, (laughs) Right, right. And but catch us next month. It, exactly. Do and it then all they, over again. Well, keep in mind, next month is Battle Bowl, which also has no bearing on anything they do in this company. Yes, like, that and, and already had a challenging first year last you know the last year that nobody yeah. seemed to like either. That That's what I'm saying is, yeah. is it's like nobody liked the last two of these <clears throat> and it's been proven out to not matter. So that's your next month that you're promoting is something else that doesn't matter after you just gave them something that was supposed to matter that turned out that it didn't. Sure. Yeah. Like with the exception of the nasty boys getting the tag titles back, what on this show matters? Like what made a difference? Like what was solved? Uh, You know, we didn't. You're right. Nothing. Uh, We didn't even talk about that in the main event. Because this is a huge blow off to their their match or to their feud, and it shouldn't be. I honestly, I don't know if it should be a blow off yet. Um, but was anything really solved? I mean, Cactus takes Vader to the limit, you could say, but Vader walks away with his hand raised without really much of an issue in the end. So I don't even know. After all of that for Cactus, like, what does he even walk away with? Exactly. He doesn't have to walk away with the title, by the way. I'm not saying that like he. It doesn't have to be the end game, but just to have such a. He 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 he, he he's been made to look so silly um, over the last few months with these vignette vignettes and, you know, cactus lost in Cleveland type stuff. And he kind of looks silly here, honestly, at the end of this match. Yeah. And dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And. And that's and then you have elsewhere on the show. Mr. Babyface Dustin beats your heel Austin in the most heel way possible. And it's supposed to be proud of himself. Like we're supposed to be like, yay, Dustin. Great job. Like what? Right. Right. It. It just. Again, I don't think it drives people away, but if I paid for this show, I can't say I'm super psyched to pay for Battle Bowl. I mean, not that I would have ever paid for Battle Bowl. <laughs> you you get the point. I do. I do. Well, if that's it for this issue, uh, how about a preview of next week, Alex? Well, Wade says double whammy. Uh, one of these stories, well, uh, both of them we've talked about a bunch of times. So Sid and Arn stab each other in a hotel in Europe, and both wrestlers have been pulled from the tour and television. So we are finally here. The famous stabbing incident. Which I got to say, we'll talk about this more, obviously, as we as we dissect next week. But it, it's very interesting in history that this is not 
talked. I mean, it's certainly talked about, but you know, we think this would be such a bigger story at the time. I'm sure it was, I don't know. Maybe it's the, the lack of like social media, those types of things that didn't exist, but you know, I don't know. These guys go on to have careers and this and that. It's just interesting that the, this wasn't the end of that for them. Well, exactly. Like you would think that, you would think this would be more talked about in the grand scheme of things. Yes. Like as an early example of turmoil in WCW under Eric Bischoff. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second half is McMahon and Zahorian on the cover of New York Newsday as the Justice Department investigation goes public. All right. Looking forward to issue 251 next week. And uh, in the meantime, Alex, let's uh, hear from you and where everyone can find you. I am on PWTorch.com every Friday night with my SmackDown Alt Perspective Report. And you can also catch us, TorchPassCast, gmail.com. We would love to have your ratings on Havoc 93 if you watched it with us or your memories of watching it at the time. Or if you were the kid that wanted to go home to watch Halloween Havoc because you had enough candy. Or are you the 25-year-old Sting fan in the front row? Please don't tell us. (laughs) And uh, I am your Torch contributor for AEW Rampage every Friday. And uh, as this episode drops, we should be I should be uh, appearing with Wade on the post collision show uh, the next evening. So catch me there. Uh, Until then, you can again, as uh, Alex mentioned, reach us at torchpasscast at gmail.com until uh, our 95th episode next week. We will talk to you you later. See you guys. Bye. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much. PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history, our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews 
with wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s. And also our podcast library dating back to the year 2003. There's no larger, longer spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a PW Torch VIP membership. Now approaching 20 years of podcasting. Go VIP and dive into our post-pay-per-view roundtables, our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling, top name long-form interviews, and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years pwtorch.com slash go vip we have a streamlined sign up form and you can pay with paypal or directly with your credit card or debit card in one or two minutes from right now you can be a vip member and diving into our library pwtorch.com slash go vip searching for more great pro wrestling talk then join me jason powell host of the free weekly pro wrestling boom podcast Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other Pro Wrestling Media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day, every day to keep up on breaking news and more. That's pwtorch.com. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at PW Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise! 
One benefit of VIP membership is access to our back issue library, contemporaneous, in-depth, insider reporting on pro wrestling in real time over the past 30 plus years. And throughout the year 2022, we're going to begin our march through the year 2002 with back issues posted each week in PDF and all text formats. You can read it in a PDF format with our original magazine slash newsletter style layout on your screen and flip through the pages, or you can read a straightforward all-text format on your phone or tablet or laptop. The back issues early in 2002 covered the arrival of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan to WWE and all the controversy that came with them. Plus my cover story that broke the news on the planned launch by Jerry and Jeff Jarrett of a promotion called TNA. Also, the early 2002 features are 2001 year in review features, including ranking pro wrestling's most influential power brokers and our Torch year end awards, the year in quotes, and the top 50 stories ranked in order from the year 2001. So go VIP and dive into our back issues. We have most of our back issues available as soon as you sign up with new back issues week by week from the year 2002, one at a time throughout the year 2022. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. That's PWTorch.com slash go VIP for full information and our sign-up form. It's more than podcasts. It's an unmatched library of wrestling history spanning more than three decades as soon as you sign up with more issues added throughout the year. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Do you want to cleanse after eating too much Halloween candy? Do you want to have energy to deal with your relatives and all the travel? Eat nutrient-dense food that's quick and easy with Factor Meals. That's what I do. Sometimes I'm just too busy to cook on my busy schedule, and I want to make sure I'm eating well. And with Factor, I don't have to run to the grocery store. I don't have to chop, prep, and clean up either. And I get flavor and nutritional quality that I look for to give me the energy to keep doing what I do. It is cold and flu season, and I found over time that when I've been eating well, I recover quicker from uh, cold and flu symptoms. And during this time of year, you want to be able to get out and do things without feeling like you're going to be sick for two weeks afterwards. The clean eating and nutrient density in Factor Meals makes me more confident that I'm going to fight back against all the germs that are out there circulating during this time of year. Factor provides over 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that does support a healthy lifestyle and will meet your meal preferences with their variety all delivered right to your door and ready to pull out of the refrigerator and heat up and eat in two minutes. You don't have to wait 45 minutes for delivery, worry if the food's going to be cold, worry about how much to tip, and mess around with the delivery app. Every week you get a box of meals and they're in your fridge ready to go. They also have an assortment of 45 plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice, too. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions and source 100% renewable electricity at their production and site offices. So, this November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash wade50 and use code wade50 to get 50% off. That's code wade50 at factormeals.com slash wade50 to get 50% off. 